Hey, it's the final day of May here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. We're ready to crank it up for health, freedom, and healing liberty. We have uh, Ty Bollinger scheduled to join us in hour two to go outside the box. And uh, in hour one, first-time guest on the Robert Scott Bell Show, Gabriel Wrench. Gabe's going to join us in, uh, well, there's a lot to talk about. We'll get his backstory as well. He got arrested during the COVID years. What did he do? Breathe on somebody? We'll get to that and a whole lot more stick around we're just getting warmed up barely even that and i thank you for being here check it out at robertscottbell.com slash listen for the in home ground chat room we'll talk about that and uh, if you've got a question or comment drop it in there or anywhere else you're watching shout out to everybody on rumble as well thanks for being here let's get this party started it's a healing party right about now the robert scott scott bell show The voice of health, freedom, and liberty, The Robert Scott Bell Show. All right, just raced in from the garden to uh, say hello to you all. And here we are on The Robert Scott Bell Show special, uh, what is it, a Wednesday edition, the final day of May, 31st, 2023. Thank you so much for being here. I understand Super Don has even been out in the garden getting ready, or if he hasn't already planted the starters for the season. And we've got some things going. So we'll, we'll have to do some gardening updates in the next few days. If not, then when I come back from the Boise event, uh, wethepatriotsusa.org, uh, check that out. And that's uh, linked up in the show notes, upcoming events tab. We're going to be heading to Boise after the show tomorrow uh, for that event. Thanks to Brian Festa and the team there. Uh, so that's, uh, that's what we got going on. I've got a question for Super Don as I open up before I go to the first article and get our guest on. Uh, yesterday, we did a Cardio Miracle webinar. Uh, which was fantastic on endocrine function, hormonal health. We talked a lot about female issues, uh, uh, transition, life transitions in, in menopause, which Superdon knows all, the, all so well. Um, I am an expert, yes. You are an expert in that menopause. But uh, a lot of people have been writing in asking, hey, I missed it. Can I get the replay? Do we have a, a replay a link yet to share with I everybody? will. I will. Okay. And I will send it out to uh, I'll send it out to you if you are signed up for the newsletter. If you're not signed up for the newsletter, I can't, I can't do anything for you. Can't help you. Right. You got, it's, it's not a lot to ask. Come on over to robertscottbell.com, sign up for the newsletter or text RSB to the number 22828. That is my initials RSB to the number 22828. And uh, we'll get you plugged in for those of you that missed the cardio miracle nitric oxide webinar as it relates to endocrine health functions, uh, hormonal functions. It was fantastic. Along with John Hewlett and Lisa Hill. Uh, so check that out as well. <clears throat> Let's see. First, I missed it. I apologize. Well, you were out. Oh, you know what? You were out there with your granddaughter and it was T-ball time. It was. And uh, you'd said you wanted me to get a video of that. Do you have and one available? I want to see it. I, I do. When my kids were that I little. Do. This was her first up at bat here. Oh. Riley? That's Riley. Yeah. All right. Go. Nice hit. Good job. Dude, she's good. There you go. He's right. a ringer. Nice, solid hit <laughs> off the tee. And she, and she can throw first. pretty good, too. It's pretty impressive. I, where were the masses of little kids running after the ball from all over the field, though? I didn't see that. Um, Yeah, I missed that, didn't I? <laughs> 
focusing on the grandbaby. Oh my gosh, Riley's growing up. That's adorable. Yes, she is. That is absolutely adorable. Well, no problem. You had a legitimate excuse when you do something like that. As I said, I, re I remember when my kids were that little playing t-ball. Uh, and now I'm just, man, I'm still struggling. Now they're all growed up. Right. My daughter just graduated from high school. My son's out there on a, oh my gosh, in his 20s. Look out. It's amazing how fast it goes. Blinking, it moves by. So take some time to be home and hang out. We went, as I mentioned, on Memorial Day out to the, the outdoor gun range with my kids had a great, great uh, time target practicing, and uh, uh, I'm not embarrassed at all to say my son has taught my daughter to shoot better than I can shoot, and she's amazing, and he's amazing. So uh, we showed you pictures of that. In fact, we showed you some video of the target practice stuff as well uh, for Memorial Day. And remember, um, you know, this thing called freedom or liberty, you've got to be able, willing and able to defend it. And it's not just something you show up to once in a while. You've got to be practiced at the defense of liberty, life, liberty, and property. So please practice as well. Don't just think you can just show up one day and go, oh, yeah, I know how to do this. You've got to practice. And we also got to practice staying out of hospitals. If you, if you guys hadn't learned that in the COVID crazy era a few years we've been through, how about all the previous years I've been broadcasting since 1999 warning you about these things, including our irrational fear of germs. God didn't give us a spirit of fear. Fauci did and other medical men did so oh, you got to be afraid of germs come to us we got shots we got drugs we got surgery we got all kinds of things that'll cause your demise rather than help you and heal you the first article here in the show notes at robertscottbell.com is from the brownstone institute estella paul wrote this question is why are hospitals still using remdesivir remdesivir and she acknowledges the nickname that it quickly acquired because it was killing patients in hospitals by destroying their kidneys and other systems as run death is near run death is near as what it's been called. And yet it's still in use in hospitals around the United States. And she wanted to know why, how is this possible? People were dying of remdesivir. And she, she claims in this article that she found the smoking gun two smoking guns. She said first, she says it's still listed in the NIH website as a standard of care for COVID. And second, the CMS.gov official website says the COVID-19 public health, I'm, I'm reading a quote here, public health emergency, PCA, PCE, ended at the end of the day, May 11th, 2023, earlier this month. Two sentences later, it states, the enhanced payments described on this page will end on September 30th, 2023. And there it is. If hospitals will still keep prescribing remdesivir through September of 2023, they will receive you know, bonus payments, expanded payments. Even, even though it, we know that this thing, Velcury or Remdesivir, not only doesn't work, but it's deadly. And she quotes the uh, translated version of the bureaucraties. Even though we acknowledge the COVID emergency is over, the federal government will continue to pay lavish bonuses to hospitals who kill their patients with Remdesivir through the end of the fiscal year. Bottom line, Gilead Science is reaping the benefits and all that they've lobbied into power and uh, will continue with the revolving door among the highest levels of government. An evil and uh, Luciferian agenda to destroy health, not, not, not protect it, not defend it. The feds didn't allow or even consider the allowing the use of something that was actually helping people and working. That is a drug known as ivermectin. 
even though I haven't had to rely on that personally, and, and I rely on more homeopathy and herbal medicine, as God had intended, I believe, uh, non-toxic ways to address it. I still acknowledge that uh, 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 the ivermectin, it's a drug with far fewer toxicological uh, challenges to the body, but it's still a drug. But yes, I would much rather have them said, yes, get everybody on ivermectin, much less hydroxychloroquine. But we utilize the silver and the copper, various homeopathic remedies and herbal remedies to address these same issues that are largely the result of nutrient and mineral deficiencies and toxicological burdens. And yes, um, Fauci made man-made um, genetic sequences that were unleashed on us, which are not naturally occurring, not God-made, but man-made. So how is it that they're still using remdesivir? If you go into the hospital, it may not be enough to say, I don't want it. They'll still give it to you. We've re reported on numerous deaths, standard of care deaths due to this drug and many other drugs. And yet our friend, Dr. Rashid Bittar, apparently poisoned ultimately to his demise, talked about the advanced medical care that he would provide and for many years had been doing long before COVID. And they said, well, you're not practicing the standard of care. And as he said, well, why would I? Why would I want to do something that is the third leading cause of death, maybe second and first leading cause of death, that is allopathic modern medical intervention? And I'm talking to you all, all you people of faith right now. I want you to take a hard look in the mirror at yourself and ask, what church are you worshiping at? Is it the Church of Pharmaceutical Mysticism? Do you go to church on Sunday, synagogue on Saturday, temple, whatever, and then the rest of the week, turn your body and your children's bodies over to the priestcraft and the church of pharmaceutical mysticism because you're afraid of germs. I'm asking. I know it's a, it's a tough one, isn't it? We have a state-sanctioned religion in the United States of America. It's not Christianity. It's not Judaism. It's not Islam. It's the church of pharmaceutical mysticism. And it violates the fundamental uh, freedom of religion in the First Amendment. You know, we're not supposed to have a state-sanctioned religion. We're supposed to have freedom of religion freedom to worship as we see fit as long as we're harming no one else in the process and yet worshiping at the at the pharmaceutical church and sacrificing our children sacrament the vaccinology the vaccines sacrament in the church of pharmaceutical mysticism these injections and then the drugs and all of that the hospital death protocol and it's still going on today where is the natural medicine principle that is found in the Bible operating in America. You know, our federal government and its agencies are beholden to that which has captured them, the pharmaceutical church, the, the, uh, the sorcerers, if you will, of pharmacia. And they will violate your fundamental right to life, liberty, property, and freedom of speech, etc. Should you actually acknowledge the role and goal of natural medicine, natural remedies, medicine of creation, to prevent, cure, mitigate, eliminate disease. And you can go to a health food store and find substances that will help you do that, but those, those substances can't main maintain and make the statement, even if it's scientifically validated, that they prevent, cure, mitigate, prevent disease, etc. Freedom of speech? Hmm, we, don't, we haven't had that for years. It just became more obvious under COVID. And I've been telling you about it since I opened up the microphone in 1999 here. Originally, Jumpstart Your Health, now the Robert Scott Bell Show. Super Don, I know our guest uh, Gabriel is waiting, and I'm seeing his internet come up and down, up and down. Are we? Uh, can we uh, bring him in? You think? Uh, I hope. I hope it works because he's a good guy. Yeah, we're gonna go for it here. 
We're going to go for it. We're going to live dangerously. <laughs> Gabe, welcome to the Robert Scott Bell Show. Hey, thank you for having me, Robert. Appreciate it. Dude, you have quite a story of your own. Uh, I, I don't know if it was an awakening because of COVID and what you, you stood up and realized was happening and you got arrested for it or if there was some evolution of your thinking in terms of the danger of big government, big media, big pharma and the combination working against the freedom yeah. of, of all Americans, including our religious freedom. Well, Robert, I um, grew up in a, I grew up a Christian, grew up in a, a good church, had a, moved to Idaho in 2002, where I live now. I grew up in Texas, but now I live in Idaho. And when I moved to, two, uh, to Idaho in 2002, I had a pretty good pastor who kind of knew how to teach the Bible and apply it to politics. Mm -hmm. And that was really kind of one of the first pastors I ever ran into that was doing that in my life. Uh, I was 22 years old and uh, went to University of Idaho. And if, if you know anything about Idaho, uh, 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 Moscow, Idaho is where I live. University of Idaho is our, our college, in our town. And it's a, it's a blue dot in a red okay. state. Uh, so, and, and we're it, like the blue dot is, is very, it's, it's run by liberal a liberal cult. It's crazy. And you fast forward, um, we, I got in some tiffs and at university of Idaho and got into some involvement and some ministry and some, uh, you know, in 2020, I got to fast forward or shorten this story, but in 2020, our city council uh, voted to shut down our downtown in March, 2020 before the, uh, before we had any case of COVID in mm -hmm. town. Like they voted to shut it down, downtown businesses. We lost 3,000 jobs in our, in our county because of that, that vote to shut down our town. And we're a small, we're a small county, 40,000, 40, 50,000 people in this county. And, and then um, uh, our, our, our governor was not very good during the pandemic. And on Ju July 1st, our city council voted to require people to wear a mask outside where they couldn't stand six feet apart. And so they had this outside you know, social uh, distancing mask mandate. And they literally patrolling the streets with clipboards. Wow. And so the way my church would, would um, protest is we would go out and sing hymns and psalms in downtown and not stand six feet apart and not wear a mask. And so we just worship outside. And then uh, I'm, I'm skipping some things here because I want to get to the, funner, the, the fun part here. And then September 23rd, uh, we decided to do this again. Of course, Black Lives Matter, that was the summer of Black Lives Matter. They would come through and you know do their thing. And, and some of them wouldn't be wearing masks or standing six feet apart too, but that's neither here nor there. September 23rd happens, and we decided to go protest at City Hall parking lot. So instead of downtown, we'd go to City Hall parking lot. And when we started singing hymns and psalms, they, the cops approached me, and there's about 200 of us from my church singing mm -hmm. out there. They approached my mom first, um, but because we're family, uh, she was legal, you know, because COVID doesn't really affect the family, right? And and I was standing next to my buddy Tyler, and I put my arm around Tyler, and I said, but this is my friend Tyler. And Officer Crisalt, the arresting officer, um, asked me for my driver's license, and I said, I'm, I'm not going to give you my driver's license. I'm exercising my First Amendment rights. You're, you swore an oath to defend my constitutional rights against this mayor's edict. And, uh, and we went back and forth about three or four times. And I, I just reminded him, I was like, you swore an oath, bro. Uh, mm -hmm. and, and you're, uh, you know, not, not obeying your oath. And what, what it meant, the chief of police was right behind my arresting officer. They had to take my hymn book away from me wow. to handcuff me. You go back. That's the most eerious moment of my life. Really? It was, I go back and watch that video and I see them take the hymn book away from me to arrest me. And I went off to jail and. Um, so we had no voice. Yeah, there you go. There's a good picture. We had no voice.
in in the pandemic, the city would not listen to us. The liberal cult just ignored anybody and and really kind of just uh, silenced anybody who was speaking out against their edicts. And when that arrest happened, President Trump ended up retweeting it. I ended up on Laura Ingram the next day, Glenn Beck. I was just all over the place the next day. And that, finally, we got a voice. And, mm-hmm. and from that moment on, they never uh, enforced that um, social distancing mask mandate again. I got arrested. I had a criminal complaint filed against me. I won the criminal complaint because I was exercising my First Amendment rights. Mm-hmm. And then uh, just about four weeks ago, I won my three-year lawsuit against the city for violating my First and Fourth Amendment rights uh, here. And uh, so it's uh, it's what happened was um, small in one sense. I only went to jail for you know six hours, four, four hours, excuse me, uh, that night. Um, but it set a lot of precedent for that. Cities and mayors cannot take away your First Amendment rights during pandemics. Mm-hmm. It was a, a real big victory, and just in terms of what this means nationwide. Uh, to churches, to uh, movements, to people who want to exercise their First Amendment rights during pandemics. And uh, so uh, praise God for the victory that just happened. Well, thank you for standing strong in the face of such tyranny and evil. And this is the the kind of thing our founders in this country warned us against, that it wouldn't necessarily be a foreign invader that wipes out freedom. It would be our own government or people in government acting uh, beyond the scope of their uh, authority, if you will, uh, granted to them via this Constitution and the oaths that they uh, they claim or swear to uphold. Uh, yeah. So this recent ruling, you said you had won a case against the city and or the state. Tell me a little bit more about that ruling and what it says, and was there any kind of restitution for the damages or anything like that involved? Yeah, so this is so when your First Amendment rights are violated, you have what we call a 1983 claim. 1983 claim kind of uh, was um, uh, legislation that was passed, I think, in the 1870s to give um, the black community some sort of way of suing the city for violating their rights for, you know, for some sort of racist city um, uh, violating their rights. And so it's a good law. Um, Now, the punitive damages that you can get out of this law is not very good. Um, So basically what I won was a 1983 claim that the judge awarded and, and it um, said that the city violated my first and fourth amendment rights. They're wrong in what they did. The judge's um, ruling was, was actually fantastic. You can Google it and, and, and read it. And so I, I won a 1983 claim. And then actually um, literally this Friday is um, uh, my, my negotiations with, with the city. It's likely I'll get my lawyer fees back and then maybe, uh, you know, a, a little bit of, change for my time in jail and time working on this case for three years. So it, it really, these 1983 claims need to be updated to actually um, better punitively punish cities that um, just openly sure. and brazenly violate First Amendment rights. Was there any uh, attempt to pierce the the uh, veil of, uh, dare I say, invincibility, but you know how it is when you're in government, sovereign immunity, they claim, to go after them in their personal capacity for violating their oath of office even? Yeah, the only way... Um, if if we didn't enter into negotiation on Friday, it would go to trial, and that's where we'd fight to get immunity removed. So the judge in his ruling said, hey, this could go to trial, but actually I want the city to meet. Oop, we just got a frozen uh, Gabe there. With Gabe and oh, there, his, there uh, Rachel and Sean Bonet were arrested. The judge ruled was that uh, – uh, the judge said this case could go to trial, but what I want the city to do is I actually want them to settle out of court with Gabe and and Rachel and Sean who were arrested along with me. So the judge is actually ordering us in a settlement before it goes to trial. 
And if it goes to trial, that's where immunity could get removed um, if the judge awarded that. Listen, I, I don't wish for you to have to engage any further with them than you have to. But I recognize as well that if sovereign immunity were pierced in a case, it would send a chill, a shudder, the fear that they should have in government to the fact that they are now risking their own houses, their own you know ability to send their kids to school or whatever it is they value uh, in terms of material goods, because very often they feel because they have no liability personally that they're willing to do these things to violate your freedom because they loathe perhaps that you are a, a devout Christian, for instance. You know, there is a targeting of people of faith in this case. And as I brought up, though, in my uh, opening brief monologue today, I, I was speaking to people of faith and asking the tough question is, how faithful are you if you fell prey to the Church of Pharmaceutical Mysticism propaganda with, oh, the fearless Fauci telling us what we must do? In fact, distancing and not even going to church or, or synagogue, wherever you would go to worship. And many acquiesce to the, 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 you know, the government edicts on such things. And I, I ask, where is your faith in those moments? Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the city acts absolutely religiously went after us. I have text messages, even from the prosecutor who's, who I sued in this case, 1983 claim, using oh, where she had text messages with language yeah. She called us um, uh, religious idiots. Um, and th these are, this prosecutor is supposed to be kind of fair and objective as they work through city cases. Yeah. And they're sitting there texting saying how much they, they dislike my faith and, and calling me bad names. Right. So are you inclined to uh, negotiate good faith? And if you find out that they are not to carry on with this, or is it just too much at this point? What, what's your sense of coming up on Friday? Yeah. So to get into more details of this case, um, I was already ordered into one settlement. The city um, broke the judge's orders in that settlement. So this is the second settlement negotiation. And either they're going to give us what we want where we're at, or we're going to go to trial. I have no problem going to trial. I would love to put the chief on the stand. I'd love to put our mayor on the stand. I'd love to put our city, our former city supervisor on the stand, lawyer. I mean, all the cops that were involved with my arrest mm -hmm. have retired tired or left the police force except for the chief of police so no one wants to touch this um with a 10-foot pole and going to trial would be really bad for the city yeah well it might be good for precedent but again i don't wish this on you or anybody because i just dealing with the courts is a nightmare and it takes a long time uh so this is happening uh this friday then uh, this hearing all yes, right sir. any possibility that i'll get to see you in boise i don't know how far moscow uh is from boise uh this weekend yeah, so We the People, we're, we're five, six hours away. I know all those guys. I know uh, the leaders of, of the We the People. Um, you know, Steve yeah. Dace is a good friend of mine. Um, uh, I mean, a lot of the people down there are good friends. I just, I just, I, I have court stuff that is prohibiting me. I was going to be yeah. there, um, but, but I, I, I can't because I have this court order. Yeah, uh, well, so. I look forward to connecting with you at another time then because I appreciate so much what you've already shared about your experience, your willingness to stand up for what is right and uh, not take a convenient, easy route out of just complying because, hey, it's easier to just comply, isn't it? But you can't comply your way back into freedom, much less religious freedom. And the question is, are we obedient to God or government? When government violates our obedience to God, where do we stand? And many people we found out during COVID stood with government and abandoned God. Yeah. How many churches closed down during the pandemic? It was really sad. I mean, to this day, I believe if the churches never would have closed down, the pandemic and the measure.
pastors that cities brought and states brought on their people never would have happened if churches alone would have stood up. But the problem is, is we for decades, I'm, I was born in 79. So I tend to think in terms of kind of my, uh, I was born in 79. So I tend to think in terms of my life time frame. Mm-hmm. but in the last 40 years, I don't think the church has done well discipling and teaching its congregation how to apply the Bible to politics, which is why we got in this mess. How many people, uh, how many churches do you know? Hey, you just need to keep your faith out of politics. Or how about to health? That's been my, my yeah, big issue trying to, you know, as these people, you know, whether it be on a, wherever you go to church or synagogue or whatever, on what day, and then you have these GMO infested, uh, hydrogenated oil infested picnics. I'm like, what are you doing to the body that is a temple itself? And you're like, somehow you were able to disconnect that part of your spiritual practice and go, yeah, you can abuse your body all you want with food that isn't even food and then end up sick and then end up in the doctor. The doctor, even if they mean well, are trained in a way that is very denigrating to the sanctity of the body by violating the processes that were created for it to heal itself. And they poison the body, not back to health, even though they like to think that. So just as you said, uh, bringing your faith into politics, it doesn't mean we're arguing for a theocracy. I don't want a theocracy because one person has a, a take on religion that might be your favor with, and then that changes and somebody else changes it. That we, Our founders came over before they knew they were founding a new country because the king of England said, you have to worship this way. And they were like, no, right. we want to worship as we, and that's the plurality, the beauty of America is that religious freedom is the essence of it. And the reason why so many came to this country before it even existed, much less since it began. And I'd like to see us hit those high ideals again. Yeah, a, a couple a couple things there. There's no question the medical industrial complex has been awful for our country. Even good doctors were trained under the medical industrial complex and were handed CDC studies and FD, you know they they just believe what what they have been handed down and they believe the pharmaceutical companies and that, that the industrial medical complex needs to be turned upside down needs to be hit here is there's no it's also no question that our nation was founded as a as a christian nation i agree with you we don't we want the separation of of church and state hands down but this may be where we might part ways a little bit i I don't want the separation of christ and state if that makes sense there needs to be distinction there between church and state absolutely there needs to be separation there but christ and state um there's and the reason why i I I say this is because there's no such thing as kind of based on good laws Mm -hmm. or or you have a nation that's in in which I believe is the Bible, a nation that's based on good laws. um, Or you have a nation that's based on kind of this idea of neutrality and secularism, which is only a middle ground for another religion to rise up and and conquer all other religions, which is what we're seeing here with secularism. Does that, does that make sense, Rob? Yeah, I, I lost some of your words because of the glitchiness, and I want to—I love this discussion too. I think the way I interpret what you said, anyway, when we talk about Christ in state, uh, in in terms of faith, bringing your faith with you into the body politic, and that's not what we're talking about in terms of separation of church and state. It, it means an officially state-sanctioned religion, and I've argued we have one. I mentioned that we do. It's it's in violation of the First Amendment, the Church of Pharmaceutical Mysticism, which you can argue is a secular religion, if you will, in that sense. It's godless, or it's, uh, you know, I would say uh, in- involving serpents, you know, as medicine, if you will. 
And so in that context, I am hearing you and I'm not afraid of that. Some people are because they think you're trying to establish, you know, a state religion that everybody will have to, you know, basically, that's not what you're saying. Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, that's correct. I, I absolutely believe in the notion and separation of church and state. And, and it's a biblical, it's actually a biblical um, teaching, separation of church and state. And if you look at it this way, Robert, that God gave, a, God gave us three governments. He gave us the civil government, um, he gave us the church government, and he gave us the family government. Those are biblically defined three governments that God has given us. And each, each government is defined and has the authority that God's given them. Each government has limited authority. This is the whole concept. This is where limited authority came from. It's a Christian doctrine. And so the, the federal government, the civil government has a limited authority, but that authority is defined by God, not defined by a subjective government that constantly wants more mm-hmm. authority. The church government is given authority by God, and it's to preach the gospel, disciple the nations. It's not to, you know, oversee the death penalty. That's the civil government's job. The, the family government's job is to raise kids. And, you know, basically it's the, the, the government of family uh, education, health, and mm-hmm. welfare. Um, now that sounds like a civil government, but it's not. It's the it's the family's job to raise their kids, to provide for them, make sure they're healthy, and educate mm-hmm. them. Uh, and so, when those governments are properly defined and limited in their authority and under the lordship of Christ, everyone's freer. As you mentioned earlier, everyone, all, um, the the Jews are freer. the The Muslims are freer under under a true Christian, you know, view of government. Mm-hmm. Everyone's actually freer. And that's because the government is accountable and limited by its definition, if that well, makes sense. And we're asking people to live a more Christ-like life, not hypocrisy, you know, which also exists within all, all faiths, apparently. And it's unfortunate where you yeah. claim something and then you do the opposite. Um, you know, I'll give you an example in my life. You know, my belief system, uh, we didn't get birth certificates for our children. We didn't want them to be vessels of the state. We recorded our, our, our children's births in the family Bible as we did our marriage. My wife and I got married and a uh, holy matrimony that didn't involve the state. I didn't ask permission of the government to get a license for that, which was between me, my wife to be and God. And, you know, that's outside of what is the quote unquote, I don't know, normal thinking. What is it ex- expected thinking? And then my kids don't have social security numbers because I didn't want to mark them, which I believe is tantamount to the mark of the beast or leads to it. And again, everybody has their beliefs about that. And then recently they said, we couldn't get so, um, uh, passports renewed for the kids because they suddenly Congress said you had to have those those beastly numbers attached to it. And we said, uh-uh, not happening. And we fought, I don't know how many years now, to finally get the government to acknowledge our religious freedom of conscience of belief that might be different from others, even of the Christian faith. And they now have changed their policy on passports. You have a religious accommodation. Wow. You can demand it. And uh, and they did. They accommodated us. And that's the point of standing up for your belief, much the way you did when you were arrested. It's like you are praising and singing and worshiping in the public and you have the right to do so, not because the First Amendment grants it, but it was written in to protect or prohibit the government from taking that right that preceded government away from you. And so there are many times when the government will violate our religious freedoms, whether we're a member of a 501c3 church, synagogue, mosque, or whatever, and we must stand strong just as you did and just as I believed I had to, and we can move mountains in faith because God is much more powerful than government. Yeah, I think there's a number of issues you brought up there. I think social security numbers are problematic. I think the government uses 
all these different levers in our lives to take away our freedoms. And that's a real problem. Now, I would, uh, um, I do think Christians need to think strategically about mm -hmm. this, and we want to fight the right battles and uh, how we approach things. And I, I and I think um, thinking more biblically is really important for us right now as Christians. Um, uh, let me let me just address your your marriage thing real quick. I absolutely agree with you that that marriage certificates that the government doesn't define what marriage is. God does. I don't need the government to tell me what a what a true marriage is, and I don't need the government to sign off and, and to my to my marriage, um, in in that sense. Um, but I, I I do see a situation where I think the government should be involved in what marriage is, but they have to recognize that definition from God. So I would be against polygamous marriages, I, and I think the government should be against polygamous marriages. I don't think there should be neutrality there in that sense. All they need to be doing is just recognizing God's definition for marriage, because what happens when a husband and wife get a divorce? Well, the government is involved, unfortunately, in that. You know, who gets the car? Who gets the kids? Who gets the, uh, you know, you have a little bit of governmental um, interaction there and church interaction. So this is one of those examples of where when you look at civil government, church government, family government, there's a little overlap between each government at biblically defined. And this would be one of those examples where civil government has a little overlap with church government in the sense that, well, if, if a marriage falls apart, the government has to help sort it out. So I would think a good example of this application would be like, oh, well, maybe the sheriff or the local, um, there should be a sheriff or a local representative of the government that is at weddings just um, as part of the audience that is recognizing um, what's happening in these weddings. Mm -hmm. um, and, and if that, if the government is there, if the government is involved just from a recognizing standpoint, all we're saying is that the, that the government just is going to be involved at some level down the road. Um, but I think marriage, we have to, as Christians, have to stand on the truth of what God has defined as marriage, and we can't waver on that. If you think well, of they, big... Go ahead. Yeah, I was just saying, uh, you know, I, I'm a for separation of marriage and state. I didn't want the government involved at all. And under the common law, of course, it's contract law. You know, this is, a, you know, covenant contract law That's that right. you can engage in that. And I think it's a religious ceremony for me. It's a spiritual thing, that relationship. So I agree in that sense, but I, I just, every time the government gets involved, they muck it up and they make, yep. if, in fact, all of the people that have asked permission of the government to get married via permission slip, i.e. a license, uh, what is the divorce rate over 50%? Yeah. I, I, I mean, it's, it, it's too easy to get married in that context. You know, yeah. I want, I want to, you know, have people really take it uh, deeply into their faith as to the commitment they're making. Uh, that's me. That's my personal view. And I, I try to keep them as far away, but I understand the common law is different from laws and equity. And, and much of the marriage issue is in equity, not in common law. So it's really corrupted even going to the government to help divide up the property because it's in equity, not in common. Common law is closer to the golden rule concept. And, and I think more, more closely to God, uh, align with God's law. Yeah. Well, in co common law, it was, was based on biblical principles. That's Correct. what's crazy. And you, you actually yeah. find common law in our ninth amendment. Mm -hmm. The Ninth Amendment is just like the Tenth Amendment, but it's just reserving all authority, no, that, right. all powers that are not enumerated here are reserved mm -hmm. to the people. That's that's common law. Exactly. And if you read the, uh, is it Holy Trinity versus the United States and uh, was it 1892, um, uh, where the, the, the judge ruled that we are a Christian nation, and he went through and did this glorious civics um, history lesson on why America is a Christian nation talks about common law. It's beautiful. talks about all the connections of why America was founded as a Christian nation and why our laws you know, reflect Christian ideals and ethics.
and 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 we've uh, the common law notion is such a lost uh, civics lesson that we need to recover. Yeah, oh, exactly. So you know, the I, I probably wouldn't be in disagreement on the principle of it, just in how it's uh, either manifested or managed right now. It's so far removed from that in government because it's operating under a different form of law that doesn't even fall under the Constitution officially and in its original intent. We've divided that out further. And that's why engaging in social security numbers, engaging in birth certificates takes you out of the common law completely. So whatever is left of that uh, Christian inspired uh, government is gone already from the moment you enter it and you're not aware of it. You're completely unaware of it. So uh, again, principally the discussion is important to have like we're having to get deeper and deeper to where we're the, uh, that original point is as opposed to where it's extended further and further out from this point. And again, we're coming back to this for those that people are afraid of people of faith wanting a theocracy. This is not what we're talking about here. We want freedom of religion because even people in the same church, you'll find if you drill down on their beliefs, will interpret the Bible differently. That's the nature of creation. We're created as individuals and we see and experience things through our own eyes, ears, etc. And God made us that way. Now, what does that mean ultimately? It means that one size doesn't fit all, even if the theology we believe in seems to be similar. There's going to be various interpretations throughout history. It's been that way, present and the future, because we are created individually in God's image. Yeah, Robert, uh, a, a lot there. You know, one of the reasons why we're in this mess in the first place, as we mentioned before, is because the church has not done a good job discipling its people on how to apply the, ball, the Bible to politics and culture. And, for, and, and you can see this. You can see this throughout uh, the history of the church here in America. Um, you know, name, I, I can name a couple pastors uh, during the slave trade who stood up and preach the Bible and preach the truth of, of how to deal with the slave trade. I can name, you know, but that's a handful. Where was the church? Where was the church when the slave trade was going on? Mm -hmm. um, and then you look at Reconstruction. The church turned Reconstruction. Jim Crow laws. Um, you know, where was the voice? Uh, you finally started having liberal churches start applying the Bible to politics, but then they come at it from liberal Marxist ideology. Mm -hmm. And so the history of the church in, in America, um, we need courageous leaders in the church where whatever the church does, this is, this is, this is true. Uh, the world does, you know, 20 years later. So the church had no fault divorce in the church mm -hmm. before Ronald Reagan did that in 1969. Yeah. You know, well, go ahead. And, I just thinking about all that we're discussing. These, these are very intense topics. And we think about where was the church during COVID churches, synagogues, mosques, temples, they were taking money under COVID. And then you find their policy shifted to shut down, to lock down, to obey, to even recommend masking, recommend uh, the COVID jabs. We did a documentary in Utah called Utah safe and effective. I don't know if you've seen it, uh, but it is a, a free for, for everybody to view. Uh, UtahSafeAndEffective.org, and we go into the institutional conflicts of interest between medicine and state, medicine and media, and medicine and church. And you'll see church leaders from various churches all going, in, you know, rolling up their sleeves as examples to everybody else to do what I do, even if they didn't officially say it. And so I think there was a lot of people that fell off, as I mentioned, their faith because of their fear and or their willingness to take money from the government to become an arm of the government in that sense, which is again, complete violation of that separation we talk about. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, um, 
what happens here is uh, really what you're seeing is is a lack of repentance in the church. Uh, the church needs to lead in repentance, and when when we repent, God gives us the eyes to see. Um, you know Jesus's parable where it says you need to take the log out of your own eye or the speck out of your own eye before you can remove the log out of your brother's eye. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, what is happening right now in the church. And that's why the church has no prophetic voice in our country right well, now. And, and how do you define yeah. what the church is when we talk about subjugating itself to government with a 501c3 status, despite the constitutional provision that says if you're a religious institution or organization, you're already exempt from this stuff. And then you ask for permission, and then suddenly now you are woven into it, and then they limit your ability to speak about, for instance, politics. Yeah, the church doesn't even know. They, the church believes that they need to do a 501c3. They don't even know. The church doesn't even know that you can uh, be a church without some sort of 501c3 status. It's, but this is, again, just having an awareness of the politics around yeah. you. The pastor should know this. The elders should know this. The elders are responsible for their sheep. And a 501c3, you don't have to do. You don't. There's no legal requirement there. But but the government, the church has been so um, suckered by the government that they that they make these right. that they do these things. Very make disappointing. These steps. And yet, uh, you know, here I'm not here to condemn that's holier than thou because I've got areas where I'm probably still blind. But everywhere where I kind of see something, I want to act on what I believe to be true, correct, and righteous. Again, not to the denigration of anybody else, but hopefully to the upliftment or, or inspiration to be a, a living example of what I believe is right and correct and true. Now, I could be wrong because I'm human, I'm fallible, but I'm guided by the Spirit to do what is right. And if I find out what is right is inconvenient, would I choose what is right? If it's inconvenient, heck Yeah. Because, you know, for me, obedience to God is much more important than obedience to government. And where they violate, right. I'm going to rule, I'm going to, you know, fall down on God's law, not government. One of the important things to learn from all this is that courage, a little bit of courage, gets begets more courage. Yeah. So when people are courageous, when a pastor is courageous, or when someone is, uh, so for my example, when I got arrested, I couldn't tell you how many people reached out to me, not just here in the United States, but worldwide mm-hmm. saying, thank you for standing up. Now I wasn't, I wasn't persecuted significantly. I went to jail for four hours, uh, but I'd fought the city for six months. There's a big fight leading up to that. Yeah. Uh, but just a little bit of courage begets courage. And that's why I think everyone was so appreciative of John MacArthur in mm-hmm. California. I was very grateful oh. for the courage that he showed. Um, and, and so we need to learn that, uh, we need to not just get stuck with how to vote, how to change politics, how to change this. If you would just show courage where God has you, yes, God, God will bless that, and that'll go a long way. You might not see the blessing of where God's going to take you in that, mm-hmm. but a little courage begets more courage, and, and you need to stand where God has you right now. Yeah, and you become the living example, the living word in that sense, because you are in obedience to, again, that higher authority, as you mentioned, the different authorities within governments, uh, secular or otherwise. And how, how, how is it that we have strayed so far? And I think, of course, the tool that we've written about and read about for years is fear. Fear is the tool by which they divide us or separate us from our creator. And when we are living in fear, that should be an acknowledgement or a symptom that says, oh, 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 you're off track <laughs> come back to the most holy and then that fear dissipates because in you know in god there there's no spirit of fear there uh but we can hear about it we can read about it but how many people actually put it into practice as close to 24 7 as possible 
And I think that's what you're, you're talking about and being that living example for others. There's no question that fear is one of the central mechanisms that are used against the people. I'd say fear and guilt. Mm-hmm. Fear and guilt are Satan's tools for manipulating a people. When you're guilty of your sin and, and, uh, and, and you have not confessed it, mm-hmm. you're easily manipulatable. When you're scared of government or scared of a virus or scared of, you're easily manipulated. Yeah. And so we need that the gospel gets at the heart of both fear uh, and sin, fear and guilt. And that's why we're a guilty country. There's guilt all over us. We got blood on our hands from 60 million babies dying since 1972. We got blood on our hands from, uh, you know, from from abortion. And thank God we're coming into uh, June Life Month, not June Pride Month. <laughs> we we got uh, we've haven't the church hasn't discipled its people well. We've been sending our kids over to Rome to be educated by Rome in the public school system, and it's no wonder they become Caesar uh, become. Uh, Roman citizens. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and so we have all this guilt around us as parents, as individuals, as a culture. And, and it's no wonder we're, it's no wonder. It's amazing. It's amazing feat that the government shut down mm-hmm. America in 2020. But it wouldn't have been well, possible had, had people not stood in their faith. And for those few examples, right. we showed that that's they right. couldn't be defeated ultimately. And we've had, you know, uh, what Artur Proleski from Poland, or I think originally in Canada, standing up against his government where they don't have a declaration of independence to start things off. So they don't have a government that acknowledges the rights existed, pre-existed government in sense and come from God, not government. Theirs is a little different legislatively ordained, if you will. Uh, So we have a lot of work to do to get back to that. And uh, this discussion will, man, I could go on for days and never tire of this discussion. It's so important to have it. And I'm glad we're having it today. I'm glad to meet you finally as well. And by the way, in the show notes, you'll have links to Gabe, uh, Gabe Wrench, G-A-B-E-R-E-N-C-H dot com. And there's also another website called crosspolitik.com, Christ Over Politics. And uh, for those that you want to join the club, there's a link there as well to follow on with what Gabe's doing. I only wish he was going to be up with me in Boise to meet him there in person. But again, there may be another event or so that we can connect on because you're doing great work. Yes, sir, Robert. Thank you very much. And, you know, have a good time down in Boise. It's going to be a fun time and a fun conference. Like, Well, and I'll be thinking about you sending prayers your way for Friday when we're there as well. Uh, and I would like to follow up and see how that goes. But I would like to see those people held to account as individuals uh, uh, without that so-called sovereign immunity, because that could put a halt to a lot of this nonsense. But, you know, who am I to say maybe people want this nonsense to continue? Um, but I don't, not personally anyway, but I, you know, I, I believe in freedom. I believe it's one of the greatest gifts God gave me besides life is choice and agency. And, uh, I think God wants us to choose God, not be coerced and deceived into it like government does. Uh, but there's a lot of that going on out there. A lot of people want to play power over, over the love of God, of Christ, that kind of thing. And, um, again, having these discussions, I think is helpful. Yeah, amen. And we want we want we want to be principled Christians. And we don't want to be seeking power. We want to be seeking principle, and that's that's the battle we're in right now. Do we want power? Or do we want principles? Mm, Gabe, Gabe, God bless you and you, your family. Uh, I love to connect with you here, and uh, again, maybe out in an event somewhere we could see each other and chat some more, or get you back on as well after this uh, Friday or whatever event occurs next. 
great, Robert. Thank you for having me on. Good, good talking with yeah, you. Yeah. All right. That's Gabe Wrench. And you got it, crosspolitik.com as well as GabeWrench.com. Wrench is spelled R-E-N-C-H, not with a W, not that kind of wrench. Although I'm sure he's capable of using that wrench. Uh, you can tell uh, that he's capable. So great uh, discussion there. Hope, uh, hope you enjoyed it as much as I did. And uh, a lot of food for thought. Let me know what you think. Write in, text in, whatever you got. Uh, let us know. Go to robertscottbell.com. Submit your questions and comments there. We try to squeeze in those questions and comments of the day whenever we can. Uh, just to give you a, a, a head, yeah, he had some internet glitches there, but I, for the most part, I think you could hear everything that he had to say. I, I had him repeat a few things, but um, thanks for bearing with us on that. Sometimes the internet uh, do, does not smile on us the way we'd like it to. Uh, but I think you got the, the gist of that discussion and uh, we'll have it more. And that wasn't even a Sunday conversation, which we tend to do those on, on Sundays, but uh, I'm, I'm game to have it any, any day of the week uh, that we can. Uh, this is the kind of thing that moves things forward. And, uh, allowable discussion. You know, what is it that you're allowed to speak, speak about and say, and you, you notice that it can be very cordial and, and, and I would say very much appreciated as I appreciate perspectives that I, I will learn in the moment of a conversation that I hadn't considered before and vice versa. And we're better off for it instead of running and hiding from things that we're not sure of or afraid of. That's not the spirit of fear that I bring here, that I want to bring here on the Robert Scott Bell Show. So again, thanks, Gabe, for being on board today. That was great. All right, Super Don, I know we got another, uh, let's see, uh, subject here to cover related to the COVID-19 thing. We opened with it and we're kind of closing the first hour with it. Anything, any thoughts on, on the conversation thus far? Um, no, not really. I didn't have to put you on the spot. Or anything, but, you no, know. no, no, it's okay. It's all right. You know, it, it's... Mm-hmm. And it is a dicey conversation to talk about, isn't it? It is. Look, and I, I, you know, I, whatever, you know, people believe what they want. You like the t-shirt, by the way. Dude, that's awesome. Where'd you get that? Yeah, I picked that up uh, when I was in, uh, off, on taking that weekend off. In Idaho? In Idaho. I know the theme is Idaho today, isn't it? I picked up uh, this one here. I got a kiss t-shirt as well. Look at you. Yeah. Was it like a 1970s concert t-shirt store? No, it was like Walmart. I mean, it's just, they had just had T-shirts in there, but it's Walmart. I needed I needed something to something different. So, all right, what are you doing anyway? Anyway. anyway, yeah. All right. Well, you know, the, the, the religion conversation it's interesting. I and I, I totally respect. I love I love everybody. I mean, mm-hmm. the, the people that we have on the show, mm-hmm. people we talk to, you know, yeah. p- people that I work with. You know, you know, everybody. There's a, there's a lot of Christians, mm-hmm. uh, and and that uh, you know, it's just uh, I'm not surprised. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know, I, I always, it, it's hard for me that there's a, a part of, of me from the past uh-huh. that is, is like stuck in my brain. Yeah. Uh, that, that, that argumentative debating person, you know, that, that it's just, it's, you know, it's still there. Cause you know, I, I in a situation like, like this, mm-hmm. I would ask, well, what happens to the Buddhists in the situation? Do they, yeah. uh, you know, are they just like, they, they, they have to sit at the kid's table? Uh, you know, I mean, where, where do they fit into the equation here? Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, cause not everybody would, would consider themselves a Christian, right? but, but could be living a, what you might consider a Christ-like life, mm-hmm. right? Based on yeah. those principles. Sure. But where do they, where do they fit into the equation? Where do they fit well, into and, the, and the that, puzzle, Pete? You know, what's, it's super D and I'm with you there. Again, I've experienced the, uh, 
And that's not anything against Christian people. I no, understand, no. But there's, there's, a, there's a dogmatic mm-hmm. line that is drawn in the sand at some point mm-hmm. where, it, 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 to me, it's, it's really difficult to, to reconcile. Uh, you well, know, if, it's, if you stand in defense of religious liberty, religious freedom, yeah. I don't care what you believe. As long as you stand, you know, in defense of my beliefs, even if you disagree right. with them, which I do, I can disagree with a whole lot of beliefs out there. As long as they're not violating my right to life, liberty, and property, who am I to say they can't live according to their beliefs is my point. The plurality of religious beliefs, and I've tried to point this out, in any given church, synagogue, or mosque, if you question people about their beliefs, you will find distinct differences among those people in the same church, synagogue, or mosque. So what are you going to do? That's true. And I mean, you're true. I mean, you can, you can dial it down as far as you want and then you'll find it. So what are we to do? Condemn those that don't believe exactly as I, my interpretation of it? No, the plurality of existence, the uniqueness of each individual, that's a God creation. Our experience uh, colors our world. Uh, The question is, is, is our experience being uh, devolved into somebody else's view as opposed to developing our own view based, based on our experience. And if you have a devout religious belief, whatever it might be, if you defend that fundamental First Amendment, freedom of speech, freedom of religion, all of that, um, I don't care if you call this a Christian nation. I know people are upset that are not Christians. Go, wait, wait a second. I'm like, there are a lot of basis points. If you go into the basics of Christianity that are embedded into the Constitution, to dispute that is to be ridiculous. To say then it's an official state religion, okay, that takes it beyond the First Amendment scope. So it's a discussion that's it's nuanced, and to hear somebody say, well, you know, it, we react to things is my point. But to have the discussion, you drill down and you find out, no, no, they're not actually wanting a theocracy, even though there might be some out there that do. But they're sadly mistaken if they think it's going to go their way forever, even if they have one guy that's in there at the top that goes, I like your thing. Until that person's removed now, what's the theocracy? Which way is it going to go? which is why people of faith realize they don't want a king, queen, or emperor dictating one faith only. And I don't believe most people arguing for this is a Christian nation. Most people, again, I can't speak for everybody, are actually arguing for a mandated state religion. But we hear that when we hear people say it. That's all I'm saying. That sensitivity is there. I've got it too. I think it's an interesting topic. We can, yeah. we can, we can go deeper into it another day. Oh, sure. Oh, and by the way, the the final uh, story of this hour is uh, Israel's health ministry uh, acknowledging that no young adults without pre-existing conditions died of COVID-19, which is stuff we got banned for saying, you know? (gasps) Yeah. Health. No, they do say that they do say in here that it was epidemiological. uh, You know, it was like kind of a a, a self-reporting type thing. Yes. Um, Right. So of course, you know, they don't want to give it too much. They want to cast some doubt on, on the results, but. Quite a statement, isn't it? But if the epidemiologists say the opposite, they're all in 100%. So, oh, yes. Yeah, it's, it's a selective, uh, you know, epidemiology, I guess. But the point is, if you didn't have a pre existing chronic disease, you had little to no vulnerability. Uh, and uh, Super D, what would you say in your, in your state of health as we wrap up the first hour here? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because you suffered significantly at one point. Remember, we talked about that. It, it wasn't a dispute. And as I said, I just to reiterate this, I've never disputed the reality of illness, ailments, diseases, symptoms, and manifestation. We could argue cause and things like that, but you really did suffer. And do you feel historically that you had a pre-existing issue that made you a little bit vulnerable in some way? Oh, of course. <laughs> 
Yes. Yeah. I mean, yeah, absolutely. I'm a former smoker, mm-hmm. right? You know, I, dude, I, I kicked my own butt for many, right. many years and I'm kind of paying for it now. Mm-hmm. Um, now, fortunately, before I got it, I had quit even vaping. Yeah. Uh, I, I hadn't done anything. I, I, I can't remember how long it had been, but it was significant enough that I think that it, it probably is the reason why it didn't go any worse than it did. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, plus I was, you know, doing some other things, but you know, uh, mostly sedentary lifestyle, overweight, yeah. you know, I mean, yeah, you know, I, I admit it. I, I don't have a problem admitting it either. I mean, it, no, it I knew that is. was the case, but I, I just wanted yeah. to bring that up in terms of uh, an epidemiological of study on the Robert Scott Bell show. Well, there you go. It's epidemiology yeah. of one. Very That's scientific. Right. All right, y'all. Well, thanks again to Gabe for being on board today, Gabe Wrench, and uh, y'all check out his links in the show notes at robertscottbell.com. Now, hour two, our buddy, our pal, Ty Bollinger joins us to go outside the box, and it's great to have him on anytime he can show up, and maybe we'll get some uh, baseball updates or other updates. Who knows what else is going on out there, but uh, there's a lot to discuss with Ty, always is, and we have a good time doing it. So y'all tell your friends to join us right now at robertscottbell.com slash listen. The chat room's happening or wherever else you're catching the show live or later, come on over to robertscottbell.com and sign up for the newsletter or text uh, RSB, my initials, to 22828 so you can get plugged in, as well as the Cardio Miracle webinar we did on health of hormones, endocrine health. My gosh, that was a good one. If you missed it, you're going to get the link only if you're part of the newsletter subscription base, and it's free to do so. So check it out, and we'll be right back with more powerful healing because the power to heal is yours. All right, time to go outside the box here on the Robert Scott Bell Show, bringing the muscles, not from Brussels, (laughs) but you know who he is. Also the mind, the mathematician that he is. He's great with numbers. He figured out how many guns I had in the picture the other day. Right away, he knew. (laughs) Ty Bollinger. What's up, buddy? Yeah, yeah, you gave me a pop quiz. It was a trick. It was, you know, it was a trick quiz. Yes, trick quiz. How many guns are in the picture? Because Robert's flexing in the picture. So he's like, how many guns are in the picture? (laughs) So, yeah, yeah. you got it right. The answer I, got, I wasn't sure if I, I think I said five because you, you had, you know, you, of course, your two guns. And then uh, I think you had three on you, but I wasn't sure if one was a knife or a gun. But I think it was three plus. The well, I, had, I had three plus uh, also the extra clips or magazines, magazines, technically, or uh, well, my son would know all the details. And then, of course, well, I wish I like think one of my biceps can fit. No, they wouldn't. I'm sorry, I can't even know. You got five biceps to my one bicep per arm. You're there. Yeah. Now you're 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 uh, you've put on some good size. Yeah. You, you put on some good size. I'm 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 happy with the mass. I'm ripping. But you said yeah, you didn't have any clips. Did you have any clips that held a hundred rounds? Because right, exactly. apparently those are really common. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Anyway, it was just a sensational time to hang out with the kiddos. And uh, as I said, to, my son is the firearms expert of the family, and he's trained my daughter. To shoot better than her dad, that would be me. And I'm happy, I'm proud of them to be able to be better than me at, at anything. Uh, it's a wonderful thing to see and, uh, and an enjoyable thing to, to engage in. And, you know, realizing that defense of life, liberty, and property is not something you just show up one day. It's something you got to practice. You got to be ready, ever vigilant. And, and that's part of what I tried to do. I try to do better all of the time there. And 
uh, impart that onto the kids and they are definitely engaged in it. Yeah, you're quite a marksman. You did a nice job on the 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 metal flap back and forth. Very very nice. I, I missed twice, but I, I'm not trying to be perfect. I mean, in a situation, given more practice, I could have been. But it's, it, that was my point about practicing. Um, I haven't been out to the range in a while. I'm kind of I kind of got a little fair weather. I, I like to go to the outdoor ranges. I don't like indoor ranges. I'll go, and sometimes I do anyway. But that means I'm not as practiced in those times. And uh, getting back out, it was like, dude, I was missing the target for the first, you know, first couple of, uh, you know, few, first few rounds of shooting. And then, and then suddenly I was back engaged. And it, it's an old, it's like a muscle, like riding a bike. You might be a little wobbly, but you remember how, and then you're back at it. But the idea is always to be in practice so that when you're threatened in a situation that you do react with muscle memory. And that's the point of practice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it looks like your muscle memory came back because, you did well. Don't tell me you had to shoot for 12 hours to get the one 30 second clip. No, thankfully it was the first, I was like, okay, I think I'm ready now. And, uh, I think was it Elijah or Ari, whoever filmed me at that point. And I just went for it. I didn't care how many I missed or got, I was hoping I'd get most and it was pretty good. I was happy with it. And, uh, again, it's the muscle memory. It's the practice. And that's the point of anything in life. You want to get good at it. You can't just do it once in a while. Yeah, that's true. Hey, super D put that picture back up. I was going to comment. Look at Robert. He's, he's, Robert's got bells all jacked up. He's jacked now. Good job. <laughs> I'm trying. My hero, Ty <laughs> Bollinger, uh, has got, like you said, that bicep looks like it's something, but compared to Ty, it's not really anything. So there you go. <laughs> well, right. you know, the, the, the thing about working out that's mm -hmm. so cool is it's really not you against anybody but you. Mm -hmm. That's what I've always enjoyed. That's what I loved about bodybuilding was that, you know, maybe I didn't win every contest that I competed in, but I could improve from one to the next. And I knew if I did my best and I looked as good as I could and I was, as Jack as I could, then I'd, I'd won in my mind, even if somebody else, the judges said it was better because it really wasn't you against them. It's you against you just improving. Right. Right. So, you know, that's what you're doing in the gym. And I've seen that last couple of years, you've really hit it hard and you've, you know, taken your physique to the next level. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, everybody's different body types too. So what one person thinks might look good. The other person says, no, I don't think that body type. I think Robert Scott Bell is like the, the optimal body type, you know, lean and muscular. So, it's all in the eyes of the beholder. The main thing is that you work hard to improve what you're, where you're at. Yeah. In fact, I, I super Don, do you have that clip of me? Uh, uh, what is it called though? Are they roundhouses or what, uh, sidekicks? I can't even remember the terminology. I can do them and I don't even remember what they're called. Uh, but somebody at our AMA or zoom AMA last month uh, or this month earlier said, uh, you keep talking about these sidekicks or roundhouse kicks. Can you really do them? And I think I, I think I sent Super Don a, a video evidence of that. But, and I say this with all humility because when I first started doing, you know, years ago, the boxing routine, it was great. I loved it, but it was mostly, you know, in terms of, uh, you know, upper body using the, the arms. Of course you have to have leg strength, but in boxing, you don't use your legs other than for balance and moving around. But in the other forms of the martial arts and kickboxing, obviously you are now utilizing the, the legs, the feet and in different ways. And when I started, I, I couldn't do one without falling over, much less get my leg up high at all. And, uh, you know, to, to do it now, I look back and look at me in my mid now, mid fifties, uh, doing something I never did in my entire life. I'm like, what is the possibility? What is the potential when you change your diet and lifestyle and, and, and didn't happen the first day I went into the kickboxing thing that I could do this, but consistency as much as fun fun. One day you wake up and you're like, holy crap, I'm doing it. How did this happen? <laughs> you forget all the times you couldn't do it, except when you remember, it's like, dude, I, I could not do this most of my life. It's pretty cool. So anyway, Super D, if you find that, let me know and we'll, we'll show that as well. But the point is, 
the possibilities of... I'll have it for you here in just a moment. I had to convert it because you sent it to me in a... In a different MOV, Sorry, which dude. sucks because it's know. Macintosh Apple. Currently. I don't know. I, I, I got to convert really it into something that actually works here. <laughs> you have to open in a different player and all that. I, I had that. to actually go in and 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 actually con- convert it to an MP4. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's what I I typically use the MP4 formats the best for me. But all right, yeah. Here we Now that might not be a big deal, but to me it was because I couldn't do it for my whole life until I started this. And so it's like something you learn in your fifties to do. It's kind of crazy. John Claude Van Dam would be jealous. Sir. <laughs> Look, I can't kick nearly as tough as some of these women at the gym. I'll acknowledge that. I'm not, uh, it's not about hubris and ego. I'm, I'm humble enough to realize I'm not the expert, but I will acknowledge this. Ty said it isn't about me competing necessarily with other people, even if I can win the challenge of the week sometimes, and I do. But it's just to look back at your own progress and say, my gosh, I couldn't do something. Now I can do it. This is amazing. If I can do it, can other people do that and even better stuff? I believe so. Yeah, I mean, it's a good lesson. It's never too late to start some, a, 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 a positive habit. You know, even if you're in your mid fifties, like we are now, you're still, you're older than me. So I call you, sir, but we're both mid fifties. So yeah, it's never too late to do something new. And super Don is younger than us, but he's really older than us because he's a, he's a grandpa way before us. So yeah. (laughs) Super D. D. All right. I I didn't try. It just happened. (laughs) You were just prolific reproducer. Let's just say that at an earlier age. (laughs) I got it done early. (laughs) Well, I got all my old age diseases out of the way first, if that counts for something, too. Oh, my gosh. Um, TMB, if you don't mind, last hour we had a, a Gabriel Wrench, Gabe Wrench. I don't know if you read about him. He's out of uh, Moscow, Idaho, Idaho. Huh? And he we he told the story of how he stood up against the, you know, the, the draconian COVID restrictions in his little town. It's the one blue town in Idaho, right? Okay. University town. And he was with his Bible. He was preaching, singing, worshiping, and he got arrested. They took away his Bible and everything. And it's quite a story because he's finally, he's won his case and they're going into deliberations on, you know, what's the restitution, et cetera, coming up. And we got into a great discussion about the government and religious beliefs and all of that and bringing, you know, our faith into government. But it's a sticky discussion, as you and I both know, people are afraid because, there, there's a history of theocracies not being kind to anybody that isn't part of the official sanctioned religion of any given nation. And so our founders said, you know what, we want freedom of religion, which doesn't necessarily mean freedom from religion because, you know, people of faith are all around us. Yet I would like to see people bring their faith into government, not so that they make a theocracy, but so they're guided by their, their, their spiritual more principles of right and wrong that we would be better off because the government violates what are fundamental rights and wrongs according to the common law, which is based in, I think, some pretty profound Judeo-Christian principles. But the discussion gets sticky because there are a lot of people that are very sensitive to, oh, well, you want me to believe exactly as you would believe or else I'm going to be, you know, out on the outs and that. Talk to me about your Christian beliefs in regards to freedom uh, and, and, and how they might differ from others. Um, I, I mean, on the spot. No, no, that's that's fine. Uh, you know, as a Christian, I believe that people should have the freedom to believe whatever they want, right? 
Um, it, and from a governmental perspective, not, not necessarily a spiritual perspective, but from, from a governmental perspective, the government should not be involved in forcing anyone of its citizens to believe anything from a spiritual perspective. That's not their job. So really freedom of religion to me just means the government needs to stay out completely and let people believe what they want as long as they're not hurting someone. You know, I mean, that's the caveat. You, you can't have freedom of religion in, in a if your religion is that we have to sacrifice someone every Monday. No, well, then that's violating other laws. But other than that, the government needs to stay out of it. And that's why the the freedom of religion clause was put into the Constitution. It, it was so the government wouldn't be telling you what you can and can't believe that everyone has the freedom to believe what they want and the government stays out. So that's yeah. that's my take on it. I don't even know if that's what you were asking. Oh, yeah. Well, it is. I, I, again, the discussion is fraught with danger just simply because we jump and leap to conclusions based on our own experiences and fears as, as, associated with that. And, you know, my experience has been people of faith, for the most part, don't want a state sanctioned religion, even if they say right. America is a Christian nation. Because right. Alone, and, and very frequently, yeah. if you're a Christian, you get accused of. Well, all Christians believe that we should have a theocracy, right? So you get lumped under this umbrella that says all Christians think that we should, the government should be a Christian government and they, that we should push God from the government, right? I mean, should proclaim God as governmental agents, right? A theocracy, God's really ruling through the government. Is that I'm not, I don't believe that at all. And most Christians that I, that I believe don't believe that we should have a theocracy, right? It's so we're not, in other words, forcing Christianity as a religion. They tried that. Constantine tried that. And, you know, we've had other religions try to force them themselves as the religion. It never works. That's not the purpose. And it's not the purpose of government mm -hmm. to put one religion over another. Yeah. How do you bring people over to what you perceive as, as your your faith? Is it through coercion, deception and violence or is it to live a life? That's a living example to your beliefs that you might inspire others to say, hey, I like that guy. I like what he does. I like what he believes. Let me check out what he's doing. And maybe I'll adopt some of those beliefs because they seem to be working for him. And maybe they'll work for me. I mean, which is the best way to go forward in life? Yeah, you know, maybe maybe by setting a good example, right? <laughs> I mean, if people are like, hey, that, that person's different. The way they act, whatever. I want to know what makes them different. That's probably the best way rather than forcing someone you believe under, you know, there's a knife to your throat. Yeah. Well, I mean, do you, do you love me, honey, with yeah. a knife to your throat? Well, of course, she's going to say she loves you because you don't want to get her throat slit. So right. and it's the same with any coercion. That's not real. It's not real love. Right. It's it's not a real emotion if you're coerced to do it. Yeah. So I think that uh, Christians should, you know, set, set uh, an example so people see that the way that we treat people is good and honorable and different. Maybe they want to know, Hey, why? Yeah. And then at that point you can talk to them. But it, a lot of people are like uh, speaking as a Christian, there's a lot of Christians in name only. Yeah. They say they're Christians and you're like, man, you watch what they do. And you're like, dude, you better clean up your act. Well, and that's what we call hypocrisy and it, it yeah. exists everywhere uh, in all fields and religions. I mean, it's not unique to one, uh, but the idea for, for me, I like to try and be the best example for others. And if I fall down on on the job, so to speak, and I would you know acknowledge, repent, say, "Gee, I'm sorry. I really, yeah, I was that was not a good move, right?" Uh, but it's very hard to do that, especially if we lead with ego, you know, uh, very much so. We don't want to be perceived as as with fault of any kind. But like, I got plenty of faults, and I'm I'm happy to show 
this is this is where I'm not really good because uh, I don't want people to perceive me as something more than just, you know, any like anybody else. Now, I've had unique and different circumstances and experiences in my life that led me to, to where I am today. That's true, but that's true of all of us. The question is, what do we do with what life has, if we believe, thrown at us or thrown for us, either way, what have we done with it? Where we are? And to me, you know, as I'm drawn to people of faith, not because of their proclaimed religion or not, but because of how they live you know, is that their love in their hearts? Are they compassionate? Do, do they, you know, just have a genuine spirit of, of well, how about the good humor that I think God has, a sense of humor? <laughs> you know, have they lost that? Can we can we regain that? That often brings us together no matter what. Like I think about our, our dearly our dearly departed friend, Rashid Batar, uh, you know, raised primarily in a Muslim faith, but how much did he love God in spirit. You know, he was guided by that to, to live not in fear. And throughout, you know, his last interview here on the show, he talked about the faith beyond even the religious, you know, institutions, you know, which is a phenomenal relationship that you have directly with God. It's a beautiful thing. Did, was was Rashid on the show like just a couple days before he died? Yeah, Tuesday. Uh, he was on here Tuesday uh, and he passed away like at 3 a.m. Thursday morning. So yeah, hmm. it was one of his last interviews. And he was all about God and spirit stuff. And he and he even acknowledged it in the interview, uh, Ty. He, he just said, oh, I don't normally talk about it this way. I'm like, well, I know that, Ty, you know, we all could talk about anything with Rashid, you know, and have fun with it too. But he was very focused there. And I didn't know. I don't know that he knew consciously what was about to happen. But he was definitely very much in the spirit talking about the free will message, which, you know, is, is agency that God gave us as well. So it was pretty profound. I mean, I'm still not processed fully the loss of our friend. Yeah. Yeah. Me either. Um, and you know, after, after he died, they, uh, you know, had the service and we, we did a kind of a commemorative article on him, a memorial. And, uh, I know a lot of people did. And, and I was looking through some old photos and I found pictures of us from like in nine in 2009 in Panama. Yes. You sent me some of those. You yeah. I'm going like to send them to super D right now. Yeah. But anyway, I just, uh, I was just thinking about that, that I was, as I was thinking about Rashi, you know, we were looking back at all those old memories and I still remember the first time that he came down there and, uh, to Panama and he was, uh, he was messing with Tabitha and telling her he was going to steal her pink boots. Yes. And that was just like a running joke with them for, for years. So he's going to steal her boots. And then I think I told you last week, then charity. Yeah, there's, there we are. Look that was 2009. Look at how young you guys look. Although Rashid still had gray hair already coming on early, but yeah. Wow. Yeah. So you can see that's a, that Bryce was not uh, was seven there. I cannot so. imagine Bryce that small anymore because he's bigger than you by far. Yeah. That. And see that. And then Charlene was pregnant there with Charity, so we oh didn't even gosh. have Charity yet. Wow. Yeah. But uh, so then that would have been I, I say 2009. That would have been um, probably early spring 2010 then, because mm -hmm. that's when Charity was born. So yeah. But anyway, just uh, good memories with him. And then I think, I, you know, Char I told you Charity punked him. So Charity Charity talk, convinced him that she was Tabitha, right? Yeah. So we had we had a lot of fun within the family and yeah. teasing Rashid and so forth. Well, and, and with the truth about cancer events and, yeah. you know, that Rashid was involved in as well. And, and many people of different faiths came together. And it was just such a joyous event every time we got together. Yeah. Yeah. People were really in the spirit of love and, and a lot of unity in terms of bringing the power to heal back where it belongs and trying to help people, inspire people. And, and so that that's kind yeah. of the point of what we're talking about a little bit today in that uh, even though we can get into controversial discussions of divisions of beliefs, 
you can sense the heart of people. And I think as you move through life longer, you may have a better ability to discern who has a sincere and, 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 you know, honest religious belief or spiritual belief. And they live it as opposed to living hypocritical lives. Sorry, I don't know why I'm getting a Skype call. I've got on Do Not Disturb. But ah, that's, that's Super Don trying to call you. Hey, Super Don, we're on the air. That's awesome. If you put Skype on Do Not Disturb, aren't you supposed to stop calls from coming in? I don't. I thought you would do that. Yeah. Well, it's not. I'm on Do Not Disturb, and, it, my, and this call keeps coming in. Who the heck would be All doing right. right now? All right, well, whatever. It's a, They stopped. Okay. So. <laughs> All right. So, yeah. Was there a question nestled in there somewhere that I just forgot? Oh, I, I know that Jim, who also worked with Dr. Batar on, on the Mondays uh, that they do, he's asking for those photographs. Is it okay for Superdon to send them because he's continuing yeah. on some of that as well? That's fine. Yeah, post them. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, no problem, Jim. He says no problem. Um, so anyway, this is obviously completely unplanned and unscripted, like normal, on the Robert Scott Bell Show, hanging out with our buddy Ty Bollinger today. Um, yeah, I, and I, I didn't – I yawned while you were talking just a minute ago, but I, I just want to let you know – there was no disrespect no, because, I mean, we know that at Memorial Day Biden, when he yawned at the ceremony, there was no disrespect there at all. Right. So, he wasn't tired or bored. Or that wasn't disrespectful. Did you see him walk out there with the, like the scowl on his face? I mean, he was like, he looked really angry and confused that he was there. Yeah. You didn't see the video? I did. I did. On Memorial Day? So he walks out with Harris and some mm -hmm. the Secretary of Defense, I think, or somebody. Yeah, Secretary of State. Mm -hmm. And... um walks out there for the memorial he's like this his face is like like this the whole time walks out he points to kind of question he's not sure where he's supposed to go he sees a mark on the floor and he points to it yeah. and then he walks up to it and you can see the people behind him kind of react to it and they're like man it's, it was looked it was a little embarrassing then they start playing the stars no then he yawns mm -hmm. right and then the national anthem comes and he salutes during the national anthem when, it, when everyone else does this he started saluting because he's confused at when you salute and when you do this. So it was a, like 30 second total embarrassment. Uh, mm -hmm. It was really embarrassing for me as an American to see that's the representation of our country right now. Absolutely. I, was, yes. I was ashamed. Yeah. I don't know if it was just too much Botox before he went out for Memorial Day or something. But, yeah, it, it, it's uh, I don't like to look at the guy. It's just sad. It's just so sad what's happened here. Uh, well, here's the thing. It's. I don't even I don't like him at all as a person, but I don't wish that on anyone. And I don't oh. think that those aren't his decisions. Someone else is putting him out there and he's gone mentally. Yeah. It's not fair to him for them to be pushing him out there because he's not able to make decisions that you and I can make anymore. No, yeah. no, it is embarrassing. And just if you look, step back from the politics of it and go, it's, it's just sad to see. It really is the human compassionate side of me. And I'm not a fan of his politics, if he even knows what his politics are. Um, yeah. But I, I have been enjoying watching Bobby Kennedy. Every interview he gives, yep. the more impressed I am. He just went on about the central bank digital currency. I don't know if you saw this little brief snippet, but he, he was asked about, he said, when he saw what happened to the Canadian truckers, he's like immediately realized how dangerous the central bank digital currency is as dangerous as it is to violate freedom of speech mm. that, you know, the monetary system is something that will clamp down. He's, he's moving so far away from most Democrats or maybe Democrats are finding a soul again in Bobby Kennedy. I'm fascinated by this journey of him deciding to run for president. Yeah. We're big supporters of Bobby. Um, 
we uh, Charlene just talked to him last night and talked to him again today. So we've we've stayed really tight with Bobby and and really excited about this campaign. He's he's got the best platform of anybody out there. Yeah, and on the senatorial level, our friend Jonathan Emord uh, is doing great work. I, I mentioned, uh, and tomorrow we'll have him on. Uh, he's got a big event in Loudoun County in Virginia. If you guys want to go, anybody that wants to get out there, he's bought tickets, so it's absolutely free, but it'll happen on uh, June the 3rd, I believe. Uh, big outdoor picnic family event and, you know, straw poll, and you can vote for uh, Jonathan Emord, part of the strategy here, but I see him winning against Tim Kaine uh, come next election cycle and to have him in the United States Senate with the likes of Rand Paul and Mike Lee and others that actually know the Constitution, uh, there's, it, it bodes well for, a, let's say, a rebound into limited government, perhaps. I know it's not an easy task or would happen overnight, but it takes good people of character to come in and make corrections because they stand up against this tyranny, even if it's inconvenient, even if they're the only one. Were you talking to me or Super D there? I don't even know if Super D's here anymore. For some reason, I thought you were talking to Super D. Okay, yeah. All, all you, baby. All the attention is on you. Was Again, was there a question nestled in there somewhere? Do was, I have to ask a question for you to speak? Really? Really? After all these years? <laughs> yeah, I had. I no, had no permission problem. required. You just, yeah. just chime in on anything. On anything? Anything. Yeah. Well, just do what I did. Just do what I did for the longest time. That's why I got the nickname of Ed McMahon. Yeah. Yeah. I just say Robert. Anything. He just goes on this diatribe. Da 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 da. Now da. I'm done. And then it's like your turn. Cricket, crickets. Crickets. <laughs> All I gotta do is just say yes. Yes. That's yes. That's yes. Good, sir. Yes. yes. All right. How about the freedom of speech thing and the uh, disinformation dozen thing? Because. Um, you know, Rashid was on it. Obviously, many of our friends were on it, including you guys. Uh, I guess they counted you and Charlene as one person, right? Because it should have been a baker's dozen. Baker's uh, dozen, yeah. But yeah. Congress is apparently is going to investigate. This is according to reclaimthenet.org, one of the stories we have here. Going to investigate the WHO plans to use lightning surveillance systems to identify misinformation. Representative Chris Smith wants to investigate this WHO to surveil speech, you know, electronically. But I'm wondering, really, they're going to exp explore the WHO. How about our own CDC, FDA, FTC, Congress critters, president, et cetera? Is it all about the WHO or is, have we been our own government been guilty of this? They're all in it together, man. This is Congress to investigate. I didn't get a link to this article. WHO plans to use listening surveillance systems. Well, I mean, we, we know they're already using listening surveillance systems and they have been for years. Yeah. Decades. All right. So is it unreasonable to believe that they're going to start using, you know, li look, listening for keywords to identify misinformation? Of course not. I mean, it's like data mining online. You listen for keywords, the voice recognition software that can do that. So mm -hmm. is that possible? Yeah, they're probably already doing it. Yeah. <clears throat> look, I don't know. I haven't read the article, so I don't know what the slant on it is. Is this good or bad from their perspective? But well, the guy that wants to investigate it obviously doesn't like it. But my yeah. point is, okay, I'll acknowledge that, but why not curtail the activities of our own government surveilling the citizenry and prohibiting freedom of speech into areas where the speech is inconvenient to those that have the narrative of domination, control, and fear? And again, Bobby Kennedy is very good yeah. on this one as well. Yeah, well, that makes sense to curtail it, but the reality is they're not going to ever do that. It's just, that's not what they're about. Um, 
the agencies that are currently listening to us are beyond anyone's uh, reach anyway. They're the invisible agencies that they, they're beyond the law. So whether we investigate whether they're doing that to us or not, or they get convicted of doing it, that we know they are and they're going to continue because they're above the law. So unfortunately, that's that's a reality in the United States. Everything you're doing, everything you do say is being recorded and, and logged. Yeah, well, th there's no question our phones are listening devices. Uh, the question is, do we issue all of the technology and, and run off into the woods or do we find a way to navigate it and, and fight back against uh, some of these intrusions? Yeah. Or even if they're intruding to not give them or allow them the power to violate our freedom because they don't like what we are thinking, saying or doing. Yeah. And that's why, you know, now there's the satellite encrypted phones that they can't listen to and so forth. So there's there's always going to be, you know, resistance to the tyranny. And that's why that's where some really cool inventions have come up, you know, upon us with with resistance to the tyranny. So that'll continue. We'll continue to do that. But we know they're going to continue to be criminals because criminals act like criminals and they break the law and they do what they want to do because mm -hmm. they're tired. They're they're tyrants in charge and they want to have total control over everyone. And they've got to know what you're doing and where you're at and where you're, what you're spending and track your purchases in order to have total control. That's really what the name of the game is. All right. I got to ask how you're doing. Uh, are you sleeping at all? Because you got the docu-series Remedy you're working on. I know you were talking about July. We're, we're just now almost to June, and I don't mean to crunch time for you. And, and I'll be okay if you're a little late on it, but I don't know. You have your own calendar and getting these things together. How's it coming together? Uh, how's it looking for timing? Anything I can do to help further? Well, just so you know, it's not June. It's still May. Okay. <laughs> so don't even say it's June yet because it's right. not. It's almost because if you said it was June and I realized that the documentary is out in July, it might make me freak out. So it's Sorry, still I didn't May to do that. Sorry. Right now. Yeah. So uh, now it's coming along. Well, just got back the first couple of episodes, the first rough here. And so I'm going through those today and then going to continue uh, on, you know, three through eight whenever they get to me, hopefully later this week. So we'll be through first round by the end of the week. OK, so it's coming together. We okay. shot green screen for it last week, and now it's coming together from a production perspective. Now I got to add music and video and B-roll and everything in between, you know, to finish it out. So how many episodes are you going to need to get all of this information out? How what? How many episodes will you need? It'll be it's eight episodes. Okay. Yeah. And as far as the narrative and all of that, like you said, I'm here for you, my brother. Anytime you need something, I'm happy to you know cool. throw in. Thanks, man. No, you're 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 sprinkled throughout the whole thing with your interview, and so that's that was a big help. And yeah, it's coming together really nice. And I think it's a docu series that everybody's going to need to see because people need answers. You know, they need remedies to some of this stuff instead of just being made aware of the problem. Let's help them with some solutions. And so that's the purpose of remedies, not just to make them aware of the problem, which we do. Yeah. You know, you can't you can't fix a problem until you figure out that you have a problem. So we go into the history of vaccines and show people why there's a problem with certain vaccines, but then we give them solutions as well. And I think that's an important thing that, that people need now. Exactly. And any more thoughts um, on uh, a TTAC live event this year? Still? We're, yeah, it looks like we might actually have it in mid-October. We should know this week. So it's we're really close to being at the, at the uh, uh, Opryland here again. Wow. They we they they totally went by the wayside and then they came back with another proposal and we're almost to where we might agree to it. And so if that's the case, we're going to have it uh, the middle of October and uh, at the Opryland. OK, just remember, the Health Freedom Expo is October 14th and 15th. So yeah, that's when ours will be if we have it, dude. Yeah. 
That's that, the weekend. That, that's going to be rough, my brother, because that's, you know, that's the granddaddy of them all. It's been going. Yeah, that's the only weekend that we have that's available the whole fall. Wow. So it's the only, it's our only option, mm. but we haven't signed anything yet, but I think we probably will. Yeah. So they wouldn't be able to do the week after. No, I mean, it's books. Jeez, man. Oh, yeah. you talk about ripping me apart in terms of directions that I need to be in. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, you might have to make a tough decision. We'll see. Good Lord. I'll let you know though. All right. But yeah. We're, uh, we're, we, we've got, yeah. If, if we do have TTAC live, um, There'll be a, a couple of big surprises, which will be really cool that we've that we've worked on. All right, awesome, yeah. awesome. All right, let's see what else we got in the Super Don uh, news items to cover. Uh, more high school grads are foregoing college in a hot labor market. My my daughter just graduated <clears throat> high school, and I you know I pretty much told her I don't think college is is, is something I would go uh, support you to do. Not not that she was inclined to do it anyway, but. I think that unless you have a specific narrow path in certain arenas or, uh, you know, the, the only thing you're going to get from college is propaganda, indoctrination, and debt. And everything pretty much that I've learned, with few exceptions, I've had to unlearn all the way through university level to know what I know today, to succeed in doing the things that I'm doing. So uh, I am not inclined to believe that college university is really appropriate for most everybody or anybody uh, other than those that want to go in to become the establishment you know, the institutions that have failed us. That's what they program you to do with, again, a very rare exceptions. Yeah, there's there's only a few uh, colleges here that I know the curriculum and what they teach that, that I, I'm good with the kids attending. And that's why, you know, Bryce went to Covenant. He's still at Covenant College. But um, I, I would say it's, that's really the exception to the rule. As a general rule, 99% of the universities are indoctrination centers. Yeah, uh, especially the public universities and in a lot of the private universities as well. So I, I do agree with that premise. But um, yeah, I think there's if there, there's there's a handful of colleges that I think are still good education, but, but not what, enough. what about the debt factor alone? You you the put on your accountant's hat and go. Does the money work out right coming out of of school with fifty to one hundred or one hundred fifty or more grand in in debt just to now start off? well behind because you've got an education then what job can you actually get that they've taught you and trained you to do that will actually be viable moving forward in the same way it might have been in the past yeah i mean it's, that's a good question it's all theoretical at that point because we don't know uh, it, it all depends on future events so um, is it worth it you know i mean if is it worth going going into debt if you know we have a complete economic collapse next year mm-hmm well, maybe not, or maybe so. Maybe it all gets forgiven, and maybe they give they forgive everyone's debt, whatever. But uh, you you just don't you don't know. It's it's hard to tell. And in many in most majors in college, you're gonna you're gonna go in debt, and you're gonna probably be in debt for a while before you make up make enough money to pay for it. Is a general rule. They think the key is to become an entrepreneur. Honestly, that's the freedom, uh, the autonomy, the agency. God gave you this special abilities, each of us. What is it? Is it to, you know, punch the clock? Is it to work for somebody else? Or is it to go into debt to become a physician of the allopathic variety, which is so far behind the times where healthcare is moving? You come out as a medical doctor and you think you've got it made. People are running from doctors and have been for a long time, but more so than ever, the more it is revealed what they're being taught has nothing to do with actual health. Well, it doesn't have anything to do with health, but it's a very lucrative field. 
And that's that's the thing. And so I think they that you get into debt in medical school, then you have to start making a certain level to pay off all the debt. You know, so I think you're caught in debt. I think doctors are caught in debt more than your typical college student. I mean, yeah. I talked to Irvin Sawney about all the money that it costs him to go through medical school. Yeah. So then you've got to get out and you got to pay for it. And so they kind of have you, you know, at that point. Um, I was just looking at the uh, least lucrative uh, fields of study. And one of them was alternative medicine. It's like the, one of the lowest starting pays is alternative medicine, which I think it should be a lot higher. Sure. I was kind of shocked. But um, what does that show? It shows it's probably being uh, there's a lot of barriers to entry for those kind of companies, you know, for those kind of physicians. I think that's what, what it shows is that the the laws are stacked against you being successful as an alternative practitioner, whether it be because insurance, you can't take insurance or whatever it might be. I think that, you know, the, it's difficult to be a successful alternative medicine practitioner today. Yeah. Well, it's devalued in an artificial monopoly medical economy. In a free market economy, I think that those that practice what they call alternative, but basically it would be natural and integrative type therapies, are going to be the most valuable members of the healing community moving forward. And that's the point of if you want to be a medical doctor, think about the investment and the debt that you're coming out with and then the value of the education just to have the MD degree, much less a license versus what you're actually going to be doing if you want to help people, which is far removed, unless you are an emergency room physician, surgeon-like thing, which will always be a need for that form of allopathic medicine. Yep. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And Rashid was, uh, he was an emergency room surgeon, wasn't he? Yep, he was. I remember down in Panama um, years ago, I guess we were, okay, we're still good on time. I don't, because this will take a minute. But remember when Rashid and I went down there in 20, 14 to Panama, 2015, 2014. Mm -hmm. And then I got in that golf cart accident. Right. Remember that? Highlighted so, that. Yeah, let's check out. So they see this bottom arm, that yeah. that thing right there. Yes. Right? Yeah. That, I got that when we uh we were on a golf cart and the golf cart was about to tip and I let go, remember? Yes. And I, do you remember that whole whole deal? So oh, I yeah. like got skinned all here, skin off of the palms of my hands. I mean, I was oh, beat really? up. Yeah. But Rasha was there. So he like, he, he took me in like, I, I was in triage. He was like, all right, dude, we got to do this, 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 this. And he did all that stuff. So I was like, cool. I was glad to have Rasha with me during that, that event. Cause we were laughing about it a couple of days ago. Cause I had lost all of the, the flesh. I mean, it just, yeah. I was raw here yeah. and I had my hands wrapped with bandages when I went through customs and everything and flew back from Panama to the United States. And by the time I got back here, my palms were bleeding, like dripping blood in the plane. And everybody was like, I was like a leper. Nobody even was near me because they saw these big old bloody palms. Mm -hmm. It was hilarious. But anyway, it took a while for those to heal. Wow. Yeah. yeah. And so that's the last thing, Mark, that you had on, the, on that uh, left bicep then? Yeah. Yeah. So I was just telling the kids in Charlene a couple of days ago, every time I look at this little thing here, yeah. I think you think of Rashid. You think of Rashid, he, he, yeah. he's haunting you from the other side. You can never escape him. Ah, uh, I tell you, we had some fun. We had some fun joking sessions, didn't we? Oh my gosh. Yeah. Amazing, amazing times. Honestly. And it's just like uh, gone too soon. I, I, I don't know what agreement he had with God, but I know God's in, still in charge. I know that he's fine. Rashid's fine. You know, it's all of us left behind that we're left with the sadness or the, the you know, kind of emptiness, not having them in our lives in that same way anymore. 
but he had he's left an incredible legacy and i know a lot of people want to help you know make sure that that continues there are groups of people that uh are, are really appreciative of what he did in this lifetime in his lifetime and uh you know i'm still very sad about it i just got to acknowledge the emotions i feel uh and still processing them but i'm also joyful that uh, I got to spend time with him. We spent a lot of time with him, you know, together, uh, you and me do both. And, uh, not only the advanced medicine Mondays, but our outside the box Wednesdays, uh, and now they're sporadic, but I, you know, again, I appreciate the time we get to hang out a little bit here and there. Cause I know how fleeting these times can be and how fast things can move on and just watching these kids grow so quickly. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I see somebody mentioned here, Carrie said, Ty carried you off stage in South Dakota. <laughs> That's so funny. We, yes. We've had some good times carrying off stage, haven't we? Yeah, I know. And I, here I keep trying to gain more muscle so one day you can't lift me. But as long as you're looking like you are, I don't think you'll have a problem. <laughs> yeah, you were talking about Rashi, you know, and uh, it's been cool. Uh, well, not cool, but I mean, I guess it's a blessing in disguise. Since mm -hmm. Rashi died, uh, Bryce texts with Rahan a lot, you know, one of his sons. And yeah. I didn't know that they've been texting, you know, they've been staying in touch for years. So really cool. You know, the kids are staying in touch and. That gives, you know, it gives his kids a little bit of support. So, yeah, real, real blessing to uh, to be affiliated with their family and to call them friends. Yeah, I'm, I'm grateful that that's in case that's the case, because these next generation, you know, they, they came into it because they're part of us, you know, the youngest next generation. And they befriended each other over, you know, those youthful years. And I think they'll never lose that connection because, you know, when you made those friendships in childhood, uh, it has a lasting impact and impression and it goes beyond any uh, artificial divisions had they not known each other. And so I'm hopeful for their future as well, that they yeah. maintain those connections. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. I think they will, you know, good kids, good kids. You got good, you got a couple of good kids. I, I saw Ari's uh, graduation card. We got it in the mail. So thanks for that. But I can't believe it. <laughs> Crazy. I know. I grow up fast. I, I still want to see Brianna play her guitar in live and in, 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 in concert in person next time in Nashville. Last time we were there, she wasn't playing anywhere, unfortunately. But I, she's, I, again, I, she's about to release an EP. And yeah. so when she does, I'll send you. I think it's going to be four songs. Okay. And so I don't even know what an EP is, except that it's like a short version of an album. Or yeah, something. I think it's like extended play, but I, I you know, super. I thought that's what it stood for, too. But I don't know how that would be extended play when it's just like four songs. But. Maybe it's four songs they play really long or something. <laughs> when 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 they had records, which are back, by the way, the vinyl records, I think they used to yeah. call them LPs. LPs. Which I think were long play. Yeah. I'm just guessing. And okay. then it was extended play, but who knew extended was shorter than long? I, I don't know. <laughs> I never knew what LP stood for, but now I do long play. Okay. Well, let's d double check. Anybody in the audience that's old enough to know the answer to that or Super Don's looking it up right now, I'm sure. You know, I was speaking of lps um you remember they used to sell those uh cassette splicing tape kits yes yes i used to go through those all the time because i record all my favorite music off the radio because that's what we did you just hit play and record mm -hmm. on the cassette and you could yep. record the radio station and you could play your favorite songs back but then you play it too many times the tape breaks so you have the tape splicing kit I was a master of splicing cassette tapes, man. I could get anything back together. Analog editing back in the day. Yeah. We knew that in video too. So yeah. wow. again, showing our age. Here we, we go. are. Oh my gosh. Super Don, you found any answers for us or anybody in the chat room yet? I put it in Skype for you. Oh, you did? Okay. Stand by.
you were okay, correct. I was right. LP stands for long time. And, and now we found out that Skype doesn't all permit do not disturb and actually mean it. <laughs> well, yeah, because it's calling again. Yeah. And you hear it? Yes, I do. Okay. These are longer than EPs, originally needing two vinyls per release until the 33 and a third RPM 12-inch record was released. So, okay, so EPs had a different terminology back in the day, so they didn't have the LPs in the early days. So going back even older than we were in terms of vinyl to realize why they called LP long play. That's kind of interesting. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I didn't, you know, you learn something new every day, especially on the Robert Scott Bell show. Yeah. And now, that's an LP okay. right there. Oh yeah, Ted Nugent. There you see up in the up on the uh, wall. Okay, yeah. Now, did you get your record player fixed yet, Super D? No, not the the console. No. Okay. That's that's gonna take somebody specialized that knows how to do that kind of stuff. But I've got a portable. Okay. That I that I hooked into it. Well, do you hook it into decent speakers? Well, mm -hmm. believe it or not, the 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 old console has. I guess they had what we would call RCA inputs. You know. Mm -hmm. Although like, yeah. back then they weren't, they didn't have colors. Yeah. The, well, the, back in the day, yeah, they were just neutral, whatever they were, but now yeah, red and white. But I managed to get the RCAs to work on it. So I've got okay. it plugged into that and I can use the speakers on the console. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you get a, a more rich, uh, vibrant sound of the 70s. Well, actually it's a lower end uh, record player, but it's, oh. it's um, yeah, I can play the records on them, which All is right. kind of cool because I had a whole bunch of just records that came with the, the, the unit, you know? Mm-hmm. One of which, very interesting, my stepmom, apparently, mm -hmm. uh, she took piano lessons when she was 10 years old. This was wow. like, 19, it was like 1938 or something like that. Wow. This And it was like a, 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 a record that was pressed and she recorded her, her piano lessons uh, on this record. And I got to play it and listen to it. You could hear the the... the piano teacher and, and uh, her mom my grandma wow. talking in the background so it was kind of cool it's kind of an interesting find but um yeah That's tons of old, old records recording. old victrola records and stuff and everything wow that is wild yeah all right well uh, i wish i would have held on to all of my vinyl records but they were so heavy and and yeah, we eventually just said here take them. i'm, I'm collecting them now i'm yeah. getting more there's 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 a couple places here in town i'm actually picking up some of the old records that i used to listen to back back in my mm -hmm. teenage days. Jim Garricus says he had a yellow submarine on LP back in the day. Oh, nice. Yeah. Yeah. I used to have a bunch of, of uh, vinyl too, mm -hmm. which I had it. My, uh, my brother, Ron, I think still has a bunch. I know he's watching. He just sent me over something. So I'm going to shout out to Ron and read what he said about the EP. You, you, yes. you were describing LP, but he said EP stands for extended play, meaning it's shorter than a single, but uh, longer than a single, but shorter than an album. Yes. Between two to five songs, 30 minutes in length or less. So that's what Brianna's putting out in EP. That's, that's what an EP is, apparently. Nice. Cool. Well, I, again, I love how these kids of ours are just finding things that they love to do and excelling yeah. in it. And that's quite, quite different than maybe what we were raised to believe about the paths in life that were very limited. I like per you know given the opportunity to say look god gave you gifts whatever they are you're here for a reason they're here for a reason if you can figure out how to um you know utilize your talents you can be compensated for that and that's a good thing there's nothing wrong with that as opposed to saying well no those are the things are not realistic and you need to you know you know pull up pull up 
you know, the, the whatever at a fast food restaurant forever and ever and ever. And then maybe if you get lucky, you can do a little of that on the side. I'm thinking, no, why would God give you these talents just to not use them uh, or just use them sparingly? I, I just have sure. a sense of it. It's a little different than the way we were raised off, often in the 20th century. Can I say that? Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, Jim, and Jim Garrigus even throws a monkey wrench in there. How about an SP? Standard play? Huh. That goes what probably older, I'm thinking. EP, LP, and now SP. I don't even know. Define that standard play. Kind of like standard of care. I don't want it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's cool. You're, you're uh, you know, mentioning, yeah, when, when it comes to kiddos, it's, it's cool to just see kind of what different talents they have, and, and, and they're all different, right? So yeah. you can't put anyone through the same mold because they're all seven different molds. But mm-hmm. just let them do what – try to get – I tell them, try to do for a living what you love doing. Mm-hmm. Right. And then it won't be like you're working. So uh, just need to see how they're talented in different ways. Tabitha's become uh, she's been drawing quite a bit lately. She's an amazing artist. Didn't even know it until like a month ago. Awesome. And then I saw something she'd drawn. And I was like, whoa, you're very talented. Had no freaking idea. So it's kind of cool to see they just do something. And you're like, wow, you've got some talent there. It'd be the kind of like the equivalent of a kid, you know, that's 12, that's never really pitched or, or never played baseball and goes out and hits a home run the first day. Right. You know, you're like, wow, you've got some talent here. Yeah. yeah. That's kind of, yeah. that's what we see yeah. with our kids in different areas, like with Tabitha, with art or whatever. Yeah. This is, it's, like I said, I'm just having fun watching these kids develop and grow and, uh, you know, express again, their God given talents and, and then work them. You know, it's not, you can have a talent and never work it and refine it. You still, still uh, evidence of, of, uh, you know, working the talent, refining it some more as well, which is kind of cool. Uh, so let's see what else we got here. On tap. We got another article here. This is, this is from you guys, Ty and Charlene, uh, article at truth about cancer, the truth about cancer.com linked up in the show notes today at robertscottbell.com. Is there a connection between diabetes and depression? Interesting. I, I would say yes. What what does your article say? Man, I don't know. I haven't read this one in a while. <laughs> Even though we just published it. It's been a while since How I wrote it. did you write that one? Uh, several weeks ago, but we just published it. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, of course, there's there's a connection. I'm just trying to figure out what, what they are, what the things that you can do to change the connection. There's different ways that it's connected, but we are, the main purpose of this article is to share with people what they, they can do to, to stop the connection between diabetes and depression, which is change your diet, yeah. lower your stress, exercise, get plenty of vitamin C, and um, look into CBDs and fats, healthy fats and turmeric and other anti-inflammatories. So those are really the action items that you can use to, to help if you are diabetic um, and also you know suffer from depression. There, there is a link, and we go yeah. into that link, but the real, the real uh, meat of the article is what can you do to, to minimize it? Again, it's all about epigenetics, right, Robert? Sure. You're not, pre, you're not predestined to be uh, diabetic and suffering from depression. You can change the way those genes express with proper diet and exercise. and Restoring the home to the microbiome, right? The gut-brain connection as well yeah. as the endocrine. We did a great uh, little webinar last night with our friend John Hewlett, and uh, we you know, actually talked a lot about the endocrine impact, you know, as far as even nitric oxide, how it plays out. It's fascinating. All of these systems connected. Yeah. Uh, and as you point out, depression, diabetes, these could be arguably mineral deficiencies as well, meaning metabolic corruption. 
that results in symptoms, including, of course, diabetes, but also depression. And we think, oh, it's only an emotional issue. Well, there might be emotional bases that exist within it, but when the body is deficient, yeah. it can manifest or exacerbate existing yeah. Yeah. You know, normal sadness, for instance. Yeah, and if the body's deficient in sleep, that you can go crazy. It yeah. does manifest itself emotionally. So there, there are a lot of times there's an underlying mineral imbalance or an imbalance in something else that causes emotional issues. So, yeah. yeah. And who was it? Dr. Wallach said pretty much everything is a mineral deficiency. Yeah, exactly. And everything. Uh, he's right about that. Yeah. Uh, we have uh, seven natural remedies for seasonal allergies. Harness the power of nature. That's another article at the truth about cancer. No time to cover it, Ty. But I would link it. I would love you to read it. Anybody suffering with allergies, uh, find a way out of that mess. And uh, in the meantime, do you do you get to go outside and get some vitamin D, or you got to go right back into editing when we're off the air here today? Um, I think I'm about to go take the girls to. A, they've got a recital, a dance recital. So I think I'm gonna go take into practice. But so I'll be getting out and getting a little bit of fresh vitamin D. All right, go out there and soak it up. You got yeah. those biceps that are like solar sails, so uh, <laughs> get plenty of it, my friend. And let them know what they need to know before we gots to go. I got a bonus round coming, but you tell them. Always remember the power to heal is yours. Aye. Hey, I'm back. It's a bonus round. Super D, when I, we come back in, it's kind of funny. The picture is not full screen. I don't know if it's set for a different thing or something. Oh, there you are. I don't know why it does that. Is it um, defaulting that way now suddenly? Something weird happens there, and it does that every once in a and while. I can get us the close-up view. There we go. Ah! Look at that. I can now see the Ted Nugent on the wall easier. What are you? Oh, you brought some albums out, it looks Ted, like. So, yeah, we did some some acquisitions here recently. Got the Aerosmith Greatest Hits on vinyl. Hits. We know what era you're from. <laughs> this was kind of cool. This one was in mint condition. This is the, the, oh, uh, the, the Eagles. Eagles uh Greatest, greatest hits, hits one. Yeah. yeah, from mm-hmm. 1976. Right. I had Hotel California. I think I had that one too. But got the Billy Joel album here. Innocent Man. Man. Yeah. So, are you picking this up at the local record shop, or is yeah, that there's, like, there's a record shop here? I did have to get. What's that? Oh, of course. Yes, this was very <laughs> Manilow. One of the ones I had when I was a kid. I should be mean and make fun of you, but I just can't because you're just going to beat me back with Neil Diamond. And the best of the best of the doors. Not the doors. <laughs> I'm teasing. <laughs> I didn't like the doors. I'm going to make a decision here. We're going back here. All right. All right. You Too can close. Do that. Override. Too close, man. I can see every pore in your body or whatever on your face. What's going on over there? Anyway. Um, well, I, I think uh, today's show was rather interesting. We we had this uh, Gabe on the first hour. I had not met him before. We joined he joined the show moments before, basically, to yeah. see where it ended up going. But again, what a profound experience he shared about standing up to the man, right? You know, government in uh, in the, the little blue dot in Idaho, in Moscow, Idaho of all places. I'm, sur- I'm surprised they don't call it Moscow just to be different or something. Yeah. Like that. But, kind of uh, funny that it's named Moscow and it's a blue the blue dot, dot the liberal dot there but Commies. i am just truly fascinated with what will happen on friday as he says they're having a meeting a, me, a mediation type thing on the restitution or whatever they call it the, the punitive damages mm-hmm. uh, and to see where it goes i mean it's another example of of where it was we were looking at each other going what in the world is going on here what what mm-hmm. happened to you know what kind of weird strange 
you know, uh, alternate universe have we slipped into? They can't do this. Yeah, they can't do this. This is against the the the, the First Amendment. You can't make people do these things and not allow them to do these things and stuff. You know, there's a constitutional crisis happening here. Yeah. And we knew it was, and we also knew, and we said at the time that we knew that eventually, you know, this would get reversed, but you know, the damage is already done, you know, and these victories that people are having, uh, you know, it's like, I mean, it's good that it's a victory, yeah, but you know, it's what three years later. Yeah. Uh, what good does it really do at this point? Well, I think we're getting in trouble for this. But, well, the good would be, and this is where I'm, you know, I'm reluctant to go. I hope he takes it all away and and pushes it to get to break sovereign immunity on those people that violated the law and their oath of office, because that's happen. where the message, uh, the shutter would run through everybody in government to go. Oh my gosh, there's a yeah. way they can pierce the veil. Maybe it would start curtailing these activities and the feeling that they're invincible. At the same time, I don't wish it on anybody to have to go through these prolonged court cases because they're a nightmare. There's no way about it. I, mean, I understand it in principle, but, but you know, you know, yeah. that's how the system works. Yeah. You know, they'll just, they'll, uh, they'll do what they got to do and, and apologize later. Yeah. Once they've accomplished what they want to, and they use the system to their advantage because they know it's a long game, right? You know, they win the short game and yeah, the long game. Yeah. They know that they're going to lose in court. Mm -hmm. But they don't care because by the time that happens, it's all over with. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Very frustrating. Yeah, it's pretty darn it's, incredible. It's, it was definitely we. I, you have to admit, it was a, a a very teachable moment that we experienced. I, I think so. Where think you so. got to see a lot of things got revealed. Yeah. And exposed for what they are. One mm -hmm. of those things being how broken the system is. Mm-hmm law oh the law yeah well we're not going to worry about that right now sue us go for it mm -hmm. because we know that you know that case is not going to get settled for two years yeah a a am i wrong to believe that the only way to start curtailing the activity of those in government is to take it all the way and go you know what we're coming after you and your house and your car and uh you know because of what you did you violated my rights as uh, you know color of law whatever it is you want to describe uh, because as long as they get away with an individual, they're like, well, it didn't come out of my pocket, even if it was a fraction of quote unquote, a local taxpayer, right. Comes out of the, everybody's pocket to compensate, you know, for the violation. But until they're personally responsible or liable, you find out people are willing to do horrible, evil things to other people through government or other, other, uh, means of, if I'm not, if I'm not liable, if I'm immune from liability, then Hey, uh, go ahead. Yeah. I don't, you know. It's a good question. Yeah. Um, I'm more inclined to do the, I'm just going to try and minimize the impact of government on my life as much as possible mm -hmm. and just do my own thing. And, uh, and when they violate you, then what? I don't know. That's a, you know, it's like, well, I'm going to go after them. You know, it's kind of like, yeah. What does that look like? How do you accomplish that exactly? You're going to, you're going to uh, get on your horse or your donkey with your, <laughs> your jousting, you know, what it, what yeah, does that look gonna, like? Exactly. Are going to joust in, in court, you know, as Gabe. Yeah, I suppose you could, but how many people have the ability to really to do that? Yeah. Not everybody. That, you that, know, that's you why know. I said the system is, is gain. They, they've gained Great. the system. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, Jim, James, mm -hmm. Jim. 
Jimmy. Jim Gergis. Yeah. Which I call you Mr. Asparagus, by the way, <laughs> uh, when we're off the air. Yes. Because that's what that was. Did you tell him I can join him? It's the, a term of endearment. Uh, Don't take uh, it personally. Did you I tell, tell Jim I can join them on the, the 11th, the Monday, the 11th or something? I think I did was. not. No. But okay. now he knows. Okay. Well, so you can join them on said the 5th is going to be Brian Artis for their, uh, you know, clubhouse event. And yep. then I'll do the following Monday. So Jim sent me a picture of an SP. An SP. Queen, we are the champions. That uh, isn't, it was the difference between an SP and a 45. But or is that, did or they say the that, that was standard play, SP, right? Is that what a 45 is? Maybe. I've got a bunch of those too, old ones. It's a three-minute thing, so that that's an SP standard play. But yeah, that's a 45, I think. You're right. Okay. We had a few 45s in the day. Yeah. You play it over and over, over. All right, Leslie has a question. It's way too long to put on the screen. Okay. Uh, let me thank you for the uh, the uh, uh, record, Jim. Appreciate it. All right. So Leslie says, I have a question. Since we got what we assume to be coronavirus. Okay. Last February, 2022. Yeah. When we were insanely sick and lost our sense of smell, which my wife lost hers. She had every once in a while, she'd be like, oh, but I can smell that. Mm. But then she can't smell other things. So she's, she had the same thing happen. Mm. Uh, Leslie says, and all I have been allergic to poison ivy to the point where it is going systemic, no matter what I do to prevent it. Oh. I have never been allergic to poison ivy at any other time in my life, but now it is the most severe rashes that cover 60% of my body. Wow. Wow. If, if I get one small spot, any ideas of what I can do to boost my immune system to prevent future rashes other than kill all the plants I see? Wow. Yeah. Kill them all. Well, and you don't want to burn it because when you do burn the poison ivy, it ends up airborne. It's kind of crazy what can happen in terms of lungs and other things. So you got to be careful with it. Although now that we have the contact organic stuff, um, if you could safely cut it back to the nub and then spray all the way through to the root system, you can kill it safely without poisoning the rest of your land. So now there is a viable way to get rid of it if you, if you can safely without getting one spot that goes systemic. Of course, we know that rust tox homeopathic is poison ivy. Uh, and I've had, um, what do they call the gardeners, not the gardeners, the landscapers. Years ago, we would do this. We gave them a poison ivy formula. And I'll see. Um, Leslie, let me know. Have I sent you the homeopathic poison ivy combination formula? Um, and they were taking it prophylactically. And those that were very sensitive to it were exposed to it after that next season. And they're like, it didn't bother them. They didn't have that reaction anymore. So, um, Leslie, let me know. We could talk even off the air if you don't remember if I've sent it to you. Nope, I, I haven't. Well, I'll, I'll put that. I, I think we've got something being shipped to you, maybe a pillowcase or something. Uh, that I can maybe add a poison ivy remedy homeopathic. It's comp It's not just rust tox or some other things that address the skin rash and everything else. And you can utilize that uh, and hopefully, you know, get through the worst of it and maybe not react with the extreme way that your body has reacted recently. Especially as you're so nice to the bees. Um, you should, did you see, did she send you the video of her saving the bees and there's bees on her and she's not freaking out? Not like you would. I don't think I saw that. No. So, but yeah, Leslie, I'll get you that comprehensive formula as well. I'd be like uh, screaming wait. like Homer Simpson. Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Well, good show today. Mm -hmm. 
tomorrow. Dude, how's it? How's my voice sound? We've done four hours today. People don't know it. Well, you've done four hours. I've done four hours. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I have uh, got tomorrow's sounds, sounds, show already ready for you. And it includes, of course, Jonathan Emord with updates uh, from the campaign trail and more. We'll discuss the debt ceiling and, and a lot of things. Uh, also, again, reminder about Loudoun County, the event. If you go to emwardforva.com and you check out the upcoming events, uh, the, the one that's really quick, if you are in Virginia, and I'm going to send some of my friends there, uh, they bought tickets for this event, so it's completely free for you. And you just go in. that uh, You can register over at Jonathan's site, emwardforva.com, and uh, participate and help vote for Jonathan in this straw poll. And not scientific poll, but it, again, it's one of those things strategically it strengthens his um, his leading status, if you will, uh, running for the U.S. Senate in Virginia. So we'll talk about that. And then we have uh, my pal, uh, Dr. Edward Griffin, who's a doctor educator over there at Natural Immunogenics. And we'll talk um, silver for sinus issues. And we'll talk gut health. Maybe we'll get a little copper in there as well and give you some good updates. And also a very special offer that they're going to have tomorrow in the second hour of the show. If you've been waiting to buy large bottles of, of Sovereign Silver for the gut recovery protocol, they've got some bonus stuff coming at you, 20% and then bonus stuff beyond that. That makes it the best deal I've ever seen. So uh, we'll have that link up in the show notes tomorrow. You can look forward to that. Friday, I don't know what's going to happen because we'll be live from the We the Patriots USA event in Boise, Idaho. And so we may have all kinds of surprise guests dropping by uh, for that one. And then hopefully I can do some more interviews, getting ready, whatever the Sunday conversation will be. I don't know yet, uh, but we have, we have had some good ones. Uh, Steve says in the copper group, somebody recommended a high dose of potassium to help relieve poison ivy. Sanfell and tech new are helpful products. Okay. All right. See, this is what I love about Steve and others. You're helping each other in the chat room, which is beautiful. Thank you for doing that, Steve. All right. Well, we know what's happening tomorrow. Mm -hmm. We know what happened today. Yes. We don't know what's happening on Friday. Not yet. No. But it'll all. It's all good. <laughs> it's all good, y'all. So, anything else? Anybody? This is it. We're gonna take a break, and then be back. You'll have a new show tomorrow, and I'll be back live on Friday from. Boise, Idaho. You guys, hopefully, will see some of you there. I don't know if we have any listeners in Boise, but we now know we have one in Moscow, not Russia. But you I know, know. I, I would like to know how Steve, mm -hmm. I, dude, do you have like uh, like this huge database of information that you just can just reference? Because some of these posts that he, I mean, it's like there's no way he typed that. <laughs> He's got to be no copying and pasting, that. right? That yeah. had to have been a copy and a paste. Mm -hmm. Here's an old post about potassium. Yes. Da, 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 all these details and stuff and everything down to, to the date and the time. What? <laughs> September 13th, 2010 at 1250? You have like the date and the time of the post? He uses Growly Notes database for the Mac where... I storm his where he stores his notes. Holy moly, guys. dude! You, you know, you really what you should do is you should you should compile all this information you have, put it in some sort of like downloadable format, and sell it. I mean, it's like mm -hmm. a gold mine of information yeah. you've got there. It's like a giant, a giant encyclopedia. Yeah, he's ready. 
That's crazy. It just blows me away how you start talking about something. All of a sudden, here's this message from Steve. It's like three miles long, and it's all this detailed information about what it is that you're talking about. And I'm just like, holy cow. Mm -hmm. How do you do that? He's our, he's a, we have to give him like an official title. Maybe like the show historian or the show documentarian. Or I don't know. Some kind of the grand maester of the, of the, of the Robert Scott Bell show. <laughs> Uh, Grand Maester. You ever heard of that before? Grand Master. No, it's a Grand Maester. Master Flash. Come on. What? You you haven't heard of a, what a, a Maester is? No. No? All right. I'll bet you Steve knows. Mm -hmm, probably. He's he's probably got five paragraphs about it. <laughs> <laughs> what is a Grand Maester? Haven't you haven't you what what was the name of that uh that that show on HBO that everybody just watched and was addicted to uh, medieval times. What the heck was that? It was the, uh, Oh, come on. What I they, don't know. This is you got me out outside of my comfort. Blank. I can't remember. Okay. It was hugely popular. Yeah. Everybody was watching it with the, I must've the, missed the it. night King and the, the knights who say knee. no, Come on, somebody help me out here. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. It was on Don't HBO. Leave hanging. Winter is coming, you know. Those are dragons too? There was dragons. Absolutely, there was dragons. So was that a Middle Ages show or just a pure fantasy oh, Dude, it show? was the coolest show. It, went, I mean, it was like eight seasons or something crazy like that. Mm -hmm. Come on. I know nobody watches TV Nobody because it's evil and it sucks. That's <laughs> a waste of time. Come on. Nobody. Nobody mm -hmm. crickets. All right. Anyway, John Snow. Come on. <clears throat> Anybody know the You're name? Make of me the, be the one to Google. <laughs> How about um Game of Thrones? Oh, there it is. I've heard of that. That's what yeah. it was. Was it actually a middle e medieval thing, or like I said, yeah. I thought it was out of time, not any time frame. No, it was medieval yeah. times. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, there was a grand, the guy was called the Grand Maester, and he was the one that had uh, had all of the, like, the scrolls of all the information and the medical stuff. And... Well, maybe that was something that was specific to that movie, I guess. Yeah. Or that show. I don't know. I don't know it. So you, you stumped me. I, I would not win on that trivia. He's, a person, he's the personal maester of the Iron Throne and Red Keep and is considered a senior member of the Order of Maesters. He's a learned man, <laughs> mm -hmm. um, wise in history, science, and medicine, and also provides counsel. Sits on the King's Small Council, which oversees the day-to-day -day operations of the realm in the name of the king. There mm -hmm. you go. Come on. I'm a nerd sometimes. Sorry. Never. That was such a great show. All right. I believe you. Anyway. Oh, stay-at-home mom. Let, you yeah. know what? Let, I think it's interesting how Leslie will be in the chat room. Yeah. And she'll be, hi, hi I'm Leslie. Yeah. And then suddenly, stay-at-home mom shows up in the, in the chat room. Hi. Stay-at-home mom. You have, like, both of them running at the same time. You're just, like, hopping from one to the other? Or how does that work exactly? Two different ideas. Hi, I'm Leslie. Hi, I'm stay-at-home mom. Which, by the way, um, the you don't have to film? apologize, uh, whoever you are at the moment. Stay-at-home mom. <laughs> uh, new episode uh, po uh, posted last, was it last night? I think it was mm -hmm. last night. 
uh, new podcast. Okay. Let me get the title of it so I get it right here. It is titled. As soon as I get to it. Uh, Stay at home mom episode 20. The name of the episode is teens, tweens, phones, and screens. Teens, tweens, phones, and screens. Yes. That's a great title. Leslie, yes. you're just like witty as can be. Pithy, right to the point. I'm sure next one is going to be um, bees buzzing or something. Bees, trees. Yeah. Bees, uh, trees, and please don't sting me. Don't sting my knees. <laughs> I don't know. That'll do. Uh, I'm feeling kind of silly right now. Well, all right. A little yep. punchy. All, All right, right, well, I will see you guys sort of tomorrow because, again, Jonathan E. Mordon and um, Hour 2, Dr. Edward Griffin, and then we have uh, live from uh, Boise, Idaho. And I think rumor has it Laban and Anna Ditchburn are going to be in Boise, Idaho. Nice. They're back from Why India. not? They've been everywhere else. I know. Yeah. Why not? That'll be a great reunion. So we might be having them on Friday. Who knows? From the Taj Mahal to Boise, Idaho. Yeah, how could it's it be? It's a bit be? of a transition. How could it be? Well, thank you all for participating. Uh, we have decided that our AMA for June will be a Saturday. It will be the 24th of June, and that will be uh, noon Eastern time, 9 a.m. Pacific time. So it makes it easier for our Europeans to not have to stay up so late at night. And that'll be right around the time of the summer solstice. So it'll be the longest, around the longest day of the year, just on the other side of it. For the Northern Hemisphere, anyway. Europeans. We do have some Aussies that show up from time to time. It'll be the shortest day of the year for them. We have a few Europeans that watch the show. Mm -hmm. Dot, welcome. Better late than never. You can rewind and watch the show. There's some pretty profound discussions today on the air. And then silly ones, too. So, thank you all for being here. And uh, have fun with your record players. For those of you that have, do you have one? I don't anymore, no. You don't? No. They're coming back. Yeah, they're back. They are. Did I share with you the artwork from Ari from our senior year? Some of No, we didn't get to it. Well, you sent it to me, but... Uh, okay, why don't we go out with a lighthearted art note so you can see visually here so it's the, right. the beautiful colors and light and life that she puts into her artwork. These are some of the paintings. And there's a nice sun going down colorful beautiful thing over the mountains a, a sunflower a very colorful sheep i think and then some other landscapes there's some mix of watercolor and i think one's acrylic and others are uh, what is this i don't know what she machine she did a little ceramic piece that's kind of cute <laughs> she made that and fired it's it just kind of kind of peeking from the middle there hi yeah that's cute uh, very cool but yes nice stuff so anybody wants to commission some artwork She's ready to go. All right. All right. Well, we will see you. Um, Technically tomorrow and definitely Friday. You will see uh, all us new, all tomorrow. New. Or yeah. Actually, Robert uh, tomorrow. And then we will see you on Friday. And who knows what's going to happen. Surprise guests and, and stuff. Yeah. I'll be fun to, up in Boise. So thank you all for being here. God bless you. Love you. Appreciate you. See you later.